This is Jocko Podcast number 258 with me, Jocko Willink. Several AK-47s opened fire before the King Bee's wheels touched down. Nonetheless, Black and the remaining three Vietnamese ST Alabama team members exited the H-34. As the King Bee lifted off, the NVA gunfire increased significantly, and moments later, the laboring Sikorsky H-34 crashed. Although this was Black's first SOG mission into prairie fire, he knew the odds were stacked against ST Alabama. He and Cowboy argued vigorously for an immediate extraction. The team had been compromised. The element of surprise was gone. The other American, who had not gone through Special Forces qualification course at Fort Bragg, remained silent. No, said the new one zero. I'm an American. No slant-eyed son of a bitch is going to run me off. Watkins offered the one zero a chance to extract. The offer was declined. The team was to continue. The team leader ordered the point man to walk down a well-traveled trail away from the LZ into the jungle. Black, Cowboy, and the point man, Hoa, argued against heading down the trail. The first rule of recon was to never use trails, especially well-traveled ones. The one zero pulled rank and ordered the team to move down the trail, with Hoa leading the way and the elder Green Beret following a short distance behind him. The trail wound into the jungle and curved to the left. ST Alabama moved cautiously. As the team went down the trail, it moved parallel to a small rise on its right that was about 10 to 20 feet above the team. On it, the NVA colonel had quickly assembled a force of 50 NVA soldiers who set up a classic L-shaped ambush. The quiet of the early morning jungle was shattered when the NVA troops opened fire with their AK-47s and SKS rifles. The AK rounds ripped into the point man's chest and face. The fatal impact of those rounds lifted the canteen covers around his waist, appearing to keep his body suspended in air. What had been a human body milliseconds earlier was being chewed into an amorphous form that hit the ground with a sickening thud. Arterial blood spurted high into the air. Three rounds slammed into the one zero's head, blowing off the right side of his face, killing him instantly. Nothing could prepare ST Alabama for the grisly horror unfolding at that moment. The 1-1 buried his face in the dirt and started praying. Black and the remaining ST Alabama team members returned fire. The Green Beret stood there firing us on single shot, picking off NVA soldiers on top of the rise. He loaded his car 15 and went down the line, shooting them one after another. Sometimes they spun, and he shot them a second or third time. As the NVA continued to fire on the team, Black and Cowboy formed the team into a circle and directed a barrage of M79 grenade rounds and car 15 fire into the surrounding jungle. Then, startling, eerie silence. Black thought he was in his grave. ST Alabama was in a low spot with the ground rising 10 to 20 feet on both left and right. Both the NVA and ST Alabama tended to their wounded while the living combatants slammed loaded magazines into their hot weapons. There was moaning and groaning, human suffering on both sides. Black got on the PRC-25 to tell Covey about ST Alabama's tragic turn of events. Black and Tho scavenged weapons and ammo from the dead ST Alabama team members. 
Fortunately, Covey was still airborne. Black reported that he had two KIAs and two WIAs and was surrounded by NVA troops. Covey responded, you're not a doctor, nor for that fact a medic. You can't determine who's dead or alive. Bring out all bodies for verification of death. Then more than 100 NVA regulars opened fire on ST Alabama as enemy troops had reinforced the initial ambush unit. By now, the NVA were two rows deep. The front row fired AK-47s. The second row threw grenades or fired RPGs. Now that is a story from the book Across the Fence by John Stryker Meyer, also known as Tilt. It's a story of October 5th, 1968, a special forces SOG mission over the border into Laos. The story is also covered in the book Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is by Lynn Black, codenamed Black Jack. And for a variety of reasons, Lynn was not able to join us on the show, but through Tilt and his friends in the special operations community, we are absolutely honored to have with us tonight Khan Cowboy Doan, a Vietnamese soldier that fought for freedom alongside American Special Forces soldiers from SOG. Khan, thank you for joining us. It's an honor to have you here. My pleasure, sir. And also joining us once again is John Stryker Meyer, the man himself, Tilt, a Special Forces soldier and member of SOG who has been on the podcast before. 180, 181, 182, 186, 247, and 248. <laughs> Good to be back, sir. <laughs> Good to be here with Cowboy. <laughs> Thank you. Con, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to have you here. And um, so your nickname is Cowboy? How do we get the nickname Cowboy? Okay, uh, one mission, I have a code name for uh, radio contact. They put me name Cowboy. <laughs> and then... A lot of guys going. I still survival. So my man, a working man, called me cowboy from then. <laughs> it's a good name. We always called him that in camp. Uh-huh. You know, nobody called him Con. It was like, hey, cowboy. We knew who cowboy was. <laughs> yeah, Con. A uh, little bit dif- difficult to uh, pronunciation or by uh, American. Mm-hmm. So it easy or you know, like it the for friend they say, hey. Cowboy mm-hmm. at all the time. <laughs> Even my uh, commanding officer, Bill Shelton, or Major Snell, right? Call. When we got information, every single morning, call me cowboy. <laughs> so everybody will know who who I was. And well, that's awesome. Before you became cowboy, what? Let's go back to your. Uh, you know where you're from, where you grew up, what that what that was like. A lot of a lot of Americans, we don't know what that's like uh, growing up in in Vietnam. So, what what year were you born? I was born from uh, North Vietnam, the Ninh Bình Province, and then uh, I was very young. I don't know anything, but 1954, my family moved to the South in order. You know, 
the uh, communists took over North Vietnam. We immigrated to the South, and we lived in Saigon for two years. My family moved up to Dallas City. You know, Dallas did uh, High Central. Mm-hmm. They're very nice city. Beautiful. Beautiful, and uh, the weather it like it the just normal, and you can see the you can see Dallas like it the young lady, <laughs> like <laughs> nineteen or twenty years old. You like it. So we live in there. What was it like when before you left? What was it like when the communists came and took over? Took in, over the North Vietnam. Yeah. What was that like for your family? What did it? What did they do? What did that seem like? What happened? Mm, I don't know because I was young, but I understand after that that the communists want to kill everybody, and they want to collect you know property from their citizen to build, you know, like the Communist Party. And that's why my farm, my family moved from north to the south. What was your father's job? What did he do? Uh, actually, I still, now I still don't understand what he did. <laughs> <laughs> he only the business man. But he was in the business of business. Vision of man. <laughs> yes. And he moved to, down to the south. He visioned it, but inside, you you know the uh, the back rise, the gun in there, but I don't know who, who he was. Okay. And uh, sometime he be the taxi driver okay. and motorcycle driver to take care of the the people, but I understand now. I understand, like uh, he spy. Now he work under undercover anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. And 1963, President Ngorin Jim. You know him. He was assassinated, assassinated before Kennedy. Before Kennedy, right. yes. And I, I, I strongly believe that he worked with him. And after revolution, revolution from the uh, from the uh, Vietnamese army, they put my father in jail because he worked for the old government. He worked for the president Jim. And that time I was like the. Uh, 12 years old or 13 years old. I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. But when I visit him, the time he was in jail, I learned something. I learned something about him. And I'm thinking about, you know, what I'm trying to do to pay back the people you know, did to my father. Mm-hmm. And then he in jail. But he very smart man. He told me American gallant go to uh, Vietnam. When I was young, I studied French. 
And then when he in jail, he say, hey, I better learn English hmm. because he understand American gonna come to Vietnam and study, I, I'm study English at the time. Lucky for me, it, uh, my family very close to, uh, you know, the USIT, that mean Vietnamese American Association. So I study from them. And then my father still in jail. And my family, you know, the economic, it, it going down a lot. So I try to survive by myself and for my family. And I'm very lucky when I study English, my teacher is American. Mm-hmm. He understand my situation and my family. And he advised me to join to the army. And I, but I, be, I, I don't know about him too, but <laughs> he's a very nice guy. Uh-huh. Meaning you don't know what his actual job was? He only a teacher. Just a teacher. Just a teacher. But I talk in my mind, he was, he you do know. do extra work for the government sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he's something. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. He gotta go, you know, to pick up the who's the bad guy or who's the good guy. Because in the class, he had, he all the all the time asked where where your family, what he, uh, what what happened, you know, or the situation in my family. Mm-hmm. How about the money? How about you know how do we survive? He he learned from us a lot from the student, and I believe, you know. After that, he pick up the student to become, you know, the uh, the employee for the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. That's what I talk right now. Oh, so he was a recruiter looking for good people that will do a good job or, fighting for or the, like the your South people Vietnamese. and good man or do something or smart man. That's the way I'm talking about my teacher. So when you. When he told you to join the army, how did you feel about that idea? Oh, he showed me the uh, the movie <laughs> PT one hundred nine. Yeah, PT one hundred nine. Yeah, about JFK. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And in the class, you know, he showed the movie. He said, "You want to be John F. Kennedy?" I said, "Why not?" <laughs> <laughs> and and not only. One time he asked me, he asked me a lot. And he know something going on to the to, to my family. And he can read what I gonna do. He say, just join to the army. But I say, I don't know anything about it. That, that's what he told. And he called my friend, another friend say, Take him to the uh, join with the uh, special force. I said, "What the hell is special force? The people crazy?" <laughs> because the Vietnam War, we understand situation like it, you know now the marine or you know coast guard, you know like uh, infantry, you like uh, airborne, so you know who's the one, which one the hero, and I don't know anything about it. See. Try it, try it. 
and they written letter to Saigon to uh, Pastor to uh, to Sok headquarters. headquarters. Yeah, headquarters on Pastor Street, Pastor, Saigon. Pastor Street, Saigon. Yes. And I said, yeah, I I I go. So but how how old were you at this time? At seventeen. <laughs> seventeen. Yeah. And what year was it? Nineteen sixty six. So 1966, you're 17 years old, and you send, or they send a letter to Sog telling that they've got a good recruit. Good recruit, and he speaks English. Ah. And as a hot commodity, we need a good English speaker's interpreters. Did you have any idea what you were getting into? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, when we got young, we were going to be a hero. We were going to be, you know, like it, stronger more than another one. Like JFK. So I just... Join it like JFK, yeah. John F. Kennedy <laughs> can do everything. <laughs> you see, during other time, you know, he's from this one, he swim oh, to yeah. another Iceland. I he love saved it. Saved his man. <laughs> yeah, took his man in, and saved him. Handsome guy. Yes, he, I like him very much. <laughs> so that's why I'm joining. So, what was your view of America at that time? You must have had a pretty positive view of America. You knew you were going to join the army and you are going to support the American efforts there? I don't pay attention to anything. I just want to join and join. Do it, whatever they need to me to do it. And he's, you know, the my man, actually, you know, my, on behalf of my father, you know, most of them, like a ton, right. high, cow, everybody in my village, I mean the county. These so, are we're talking about the nuns, the Chinese. Okay. So they know who I was. They know who am I. So they work together. We work together at all the time in the camp. So that's why I can go with the uh, Frenchman team. Right, on Virginia. I go with the Rhode Island team. I go, I go with the Mississippi team. Alaska before it becomes in Alabama. Alaska. I yes. go anywhere because they say, hey. Cowboy, he's a good man. We need to learn from him. So that's why, you know, I like to go with him, with them. Because on behalf, you know, the attitude, my farm, my family and my father to their family. So we work together a lot of time. Even he, one day I just, you know, vacation, I want a vacation. He say, hey, cowboy, tomorrow I got to go. You gotta go with me. I said, yes, I do. And then I quit my vacation. I go with the team. So to training each other, to learning from each other. I'm not saying, you know, I'm a good man, but my experience. When I was young, I'm in the jungle. With mm -hmm. my family, we work farmer. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know. Strong. Look strong. skinny, but strong. Right and uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you know I'm I'm thought we gotta do it. We gotta do it. You can see it, my hand here, scar. Mm -hmm. It I can cut the bullet. Throw <laughs> 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 back to the enemy. <laughs> so they catching like to bullets. Me. Cowboy catching bullets. Oh, Got yeah. the scars right to prove it. Okay. See here, I got wounded. Yeah, I got wounded everywhere in my body, but I still survive. 
And I'll tell you, you're lucky you were skinny because if you were any bigger, those bullets would have would have hit worse spots. Yeah, <laughs> you, were, you were hard to shoot at. Yeah, you're right. Not big like him. When I show him, the first I show now to him, he said, "Hey, this guy too big." And his foot longer. <laughs> That's what Sal said. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, American, the big guy like you and like him. But you know, when we there, we very skinny, and a small one, mm -hmm. like a hundred, pound, or hundred pound. You know, look, look at hey, that a baby shan, right? Right. <laughs> that American call <laughs> my people the baby the, shan. Little people. Yeah, little people. Yeah, affectionate term. Yeah, yeah, and but you grew up in the jungle, so yeah. for you, being in the jungle was just. Just normal. That's just, yeah, just nothing normal. to get used to. You're just that's the way you lived. That's the way you grew up. So that's a real advantage. Yes. Unlike, and he spoke English. Unlike the round eye over here, yeah. <laughs> you know, the city slicker. <laughs> I can. I can. I'm honored to tell you. We can smell Vichy. This smell. Because when we go land down the jungle. Mm -hmm. They got a flower, right? They got to plant the rice, or they got to plant home kind of thing in the jungle. Mm -hmm. We know, we can imagine, say, uh, what they gonna do where the uh, they live it, and where their postcard, where the hospital, and we we can smell it, mm -hmm. and then my sixth sense can understand how communist activity there. They can grow up, they can do anything, because we, we are local people. Right. That's, why the, that's why the Green Berets love our indigenous people. Yeah. The Nungs, like you said, he could smell, they had the extra sense that we never had, particularly mm -hmm. somebody like me, a city slicker. That's why people like him are number one, and they kept us alive. Mm -hmm. In the jungle, we, we yielded to them. They always ran point. Not us, and they got yeah, us out of we trouble. local, local, local people there, and uh, we can smell different, like uh, the bird, wet, 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 or chicken, wet, wet, wet. Mm -hmm. We we can comparison right away. Inside the jungle, if you see the quiet, that means nobody moved. Right. right, that's a problem. That's a problem. The trouble okay. is close. We understand exactly <laughs> right. I always say, hey. Keep your fucking head down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. word, but that is true. Sometimes people need to keep their fucking heads down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the fucking truth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I'm not telling you a liar, you know. Yes. And then... What was the training like that you went through to get you ready to work with the special forces team? Did you go into the regular army? Did they process you into the regular army, or did they just take you up to one of the one of the one of the CCN or something? Camp, just Camp Duck, which was you yeah, first went Camp to Camp Duck. Duck. That was the first uh, SOG training base was up I Corps, and Camp Duck was open. Had bad weather, but that's where they did the initial then training with our indigenous Yeah, very close to the border. And how long did they train you for? Long time. Even now, <laughs> <laughs> when they send you there, you're free to do. It means not in the law, not in the morning, wake up six o'clock, 
whenever they need it to train it, they call you. One or two p a.m. or one or two p.m. and they let you free. I mean, uh, tomorrow we gotta go range. Range many times. Yeah, range, mm-hmm. and then what? What do you think when we you got young? The first time you carry a gun, we gonna like a tan, you know, box of the bullet. Right. We go there, we shoot it free. Mm-hmm. Only my friend say, hey, how to work clean, the weapon, how to work the, the weapon, how to work the weapon, and then next day we gotta go range of to fire. How to clean the weapon and yes. Yeah. Would you were you carrying an AK or are you carrying a Car 15? Okay, the first thing when I join what uh, enjoy enjoy that only carbine. Okay, and then later carbine M1 and M2, and then after that they change to uh, Squid and K. Swedish oh, K. Swedish K. Right. Squid okay. and K, and then Stan. Oh, the Stan. The Stan gun had both. Stan the okay. light, silent, you know. The yeah, the magazine out the stand, side. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And later on, we moved to the uh, full buy. We use the M16, AR15, and then the car 15, and then M16, right. and then car 15. Because they are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. But we we training every weapon, like a motor, 82, 60, put on you know right here on the leg, yeah. To punch to the uh, enemy, sure. We take home kind of weapon or a B forty, M seventy two. And and were these special forces, American special forces soldiers that you guys were in charge, or some group was in charge of training? Yes, that them? was a com- at Camp Duck. It was the first camp, so so many early SOG guys were there, and that was part of the recruitment that came through Saigon, and, and that's why a cowboy ended up there. And it was training, and plus the camp was so close to the border, you had self-defense at night. Yes. Okay. They would be, there would be pods, and the NVA attacked the camp several times prior to May 68 when the camp got overrun. Mm-hmm. And it was a, there's a whole book about that called Bait. And uh, after that, they closed Camp Duck. He, and by that time, Alabama was already at FOB1. When they close, we, we, we move, come duck, and then we jump over to uh, yeah, so FOB one. I get there in May of '68, late in May, McIntyre, and these guys came in with his team. And of course, you want to tell them about Alaska? Alaska, yes. Yeah, what happened with uh, ST Alaska? They blow out. Everybody was killed except for the one zero, John Allen, who escaped, and he came, he need for two days, and they caught and he, one of the helicopter pilots brought him back, and they said. We want to change the name of the team. They changed it from Alaska to Alabama, and then Tim Schaff was the one zero when they were training. John Allen, John, John Allen, Allen first. Davis, Dave. I forgot about Davis. Davis, yes. Davis, John Allen, and then uh, Tim Schaff, and then and then October fifth. FOB one close. Yeah, later. We we gotta go. FOB no Danang. FOB four right. CCN CCN. But that was yet to be closed. That would be one. But this is like May was a very incremental month. So was that was that where you first checked in? You went to you went to Alaska, or had Alaska just become Alabama? Yes, the first the first. The only reason why you didn't go on a mission, he it was his turn to miss the mission. 
or he would have been on that mission with Alaska. Right? No, I, I'm from the H, uh, Hatchet Forks. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay, so you yeah. started with the Hatchet Force. Yeah, Hatchet Force. We work, you know, like the platoon or company to go with, after the team got a contact to the enemy. And the people from the uh, from the recon go down to the Hatchet Forks looking who's the bad, who's the good. <laughs> and uh, they say, hey, cowboy, you want to be a uh, recon team? I say, why not? <laughs> I try my best. Yeah. <laughs> and the first thing I came to the uh, to the team, recon team, I scanned everybody, looking, you know, bad guy, looking. Because <laughs> the nuns are taller than the other Vietnamese strong. on the team. And the people say, hell, okay, try, <laughs> try your best. And then I joined the team. At the time, at the time of that, Alaska is burned out. They didn't blow out. And when I joined it, they got to rebuild the team. And they say, hey, Alaska is no good. Too many goats because too many people die. So we need to change the name mm -hmm. and change to Alabama. And then we work with it, Alabama until FOB one closed. We came to uh, Da Nang, CCN. Set in CCN, they got an Alabama team there too. So my name got changed to Indiana. Okay. <laughs> that was early 69 after they closed FOB one. And uh, Tilt was telling me about one time when you were getting taken out on strings. And somehow you ended up upside down or something like that. Yes. For the Swiss. <laughs> Just normal thing. But uh, I remember we had a contact with the enemy, but we cannot move out to the uh, to the to the uh, to the R uh, LG. We inside the jungle, and then the chopper. Came in, throw out the rope. One up each, we got a rope, different rope. Mm -hmm. But uh, tactical for for shape for the team. Four guy come up, pick up the uh, the rope mm -hmm. to hang it up, and another four guy still, you know, keep them safety. Right, security keep yes, shooting. Security. Right. And then after the chopper lab, pull out the four guy, we came over. And then another four rope, throw it down. We try to hook it up. But I, John Allen, another two Vietnamese guy, hook up the rope. When I turn over, you know, I try to hook, hook myself into my rope. But I look it up. You know the tree here, the rope would turn over. Oh. The tree. So what happened? What are we gonna do? I saw, I said, hey, Helen, look it up. And then, you know, we, we got a stable wreck. We don't have a stable wreck no, at the time. No, just a Swiss seat. Yeah, we have a three row to one for seat and one for here and another two for seat. Right. And John Allen saw it. He gave me one from him. 
Oh. <clears throat> if I hook it up that, you know, the chopper gonna cut it down, and I drop it back to the to the plan I gonna die. And then they they pull up. I only want string in here. Wow. You know the D with the D ring holding yes. you in. Yeah. In here. And when they going up like at the thousand feet or two thousand feet something. And then I got a rush up here. I got a gun, I got a, you know, the uh, my weapon here. Yeah. Yes. And then it going down, turn over to here, to my knee. You're upside down there. Yeah, now. upside down. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and then John Allen want to warp it. But but the wind cannot be together at the time. So when I warp it, it's going down to to my, my to, your, to your feet? Going down here, yeah. Yes. But luckily, we got a jungle boot. You know the uh, the form the we jungle boot. Yes, it's still tight here, and I all the way down. So you were hanging on the rope by yes. just your ankle and your jungle boot. And his yes. jungle boot. Yeah. Whew. And then <laughs> John Allen shoot up because we got a flag gun, right? We would shoot flag gun. Yes. And uh, you know the uh, the chopper still float. And we here, we understand that we 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 thought you know they might not, might not know something of uh, you know that you're there. upside down. Yes. Yes. So so John Allen was shooting the flare gun to try and get the helicopter, helicopter. pilots to yes. realize what was happening. To looking down, but you they know didn't. the communists underground. So how do we do? <laughs> so, you know, it flew right, still flew, flew, flew. And then my uh, my body up and down, and until we close to the full by, and the chopper drop us down. When when I lie down on the ground, I still understand. I'm looking down to my gun, it uh, magazine it empty. I change the magazine, lock and low again, and do it. And then the pilot coming down to pick me up to the uh, put inside the chopper. Right. And I don't know anything anymore. Because you're unconscious. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, from there to the uh, to the Fubai. Bruce Johnson, you know Bruce Johnson. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. The medic. The medic. By that time, he was unconscious, and the medic was Bruce Johnson, on that. Mission or in the helicopter? No, he, came he, out. he inside the camp. Okay, he he died, and Bruce. What did he do? His elbow to, in your chest to wake to yeah, get he, your heart going. But I still I still know everything, even I die. Wow. And then Bruce Johnson shoot the gun. Hey, medic! And the car coming in, yes. pick me up to the uh, to the eighty fifth hospital. Right. And on the way, uh, he he tried to you know wake me up. He used the elbow when I lie down here, punch in here. You can see the bone coming out right here. Mm. Oh. One, yeah, Bruce two, was our medic, three. and so he died three times. And Bruce told us about that years later about how he brought him back to life, 
and they thought he was dead. They took him down to the field hospital right there at Fubai. Say, hey, I beat you up. You you don't wake up. You rather die, buddy. <laughs> you say I, I love you very much. Yes. Yeah. He loved he loved me very much. <laughs> but I don't know anything. But I remember I what he told. I remember who got the who got the thing. But I cannot do anything. Then mean I die for something. And then they brought me to the hospital. Doctor say, hey, can't do anything to me anymore. Uh, <laughs> but do, I you remember, do you remember hearing the doctor say that they can't help you anymore? Yes. That I'm still alive. Even I don't do anything. I can't do anything. Mm. The people thought I'm, I'm dead. But myself, I'm still alive. Wow. I hear what you say. I know something going on. Knock something. I live in there. You feel for, Bruce on your chest. Yeah, even he, he beat my in my chest right here. <laughs> right here, you can see the bone here. <laughs> there <So> it is. <laughs> Those special forces medics, man, they're yeah. relentless. They'll do anything to keep you alive. Yes. Yes. Everything. Yeah. The first thing he put in here. Hey, cowboy, wake up! He he almost cry. I know that, but I can't do anything. Upside and down, then, a long time. And then after he he tried to wake me up by this one, and then elbow. <laughs> you see how big the bruise, right? Yeah, oh yeah. But, uh, he was in shape then. Yeah. So yeah. After that, about two hour, three hour. I think three hour. I forget. Three hour. My team came by club, alcohol. He said, hey, cowboy, good good, good man. Yeah. We got to bring him back. Everybody drunk. Uh, John Allen. Yeah, John Allen uh, can't cry. Took the zip. Right. Drew up to the hospital, pointed a gun to the doctor. Say, you better take care of him or you gonna, you die. <laughs> so so John Allen went to the doctor and brought a gun and said you either take care of our boy cowboy sometimes the doctors the American doctors there were reluctant John Walton did that had the same problem after his mission in August and with cowboy they heard they weren't getting the right treatment the one zero went right down there and they addressed the doctor because they had a policy no indigenous people at the hospital oh, okay. and that's what they were up against and our team leaders had to get a little aggressive had to, had to in solve that problem. Treatment. Well, in this case, it was a car 15. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah, we got the team. Yeah, with John Walt, he just well, threatened to beat him. Okay, you MP right now, right? In the front of my chest, claim on my oh. <laughs> car 15, hand grenade. Yeah. What do you think? What will you do? Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever you want me to do. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they came up to the, uh, the hospital saying, "You better take care of cowboy." And my friend, you know the people drunk, cry, miss me. I knew, I hear that, but I can't do anything. Mm. And Mario, give me a coffee. You give me smoke. <laughs> 
man, I don't know. Maybe they put the, the hot water in into my mouth, and I feel something go through here, and then I wake up. Say, hey, what the hell going on here? Where's the party? <laughs> <laughs> and later hour, we come back to camp. Wait, you, this is all before October fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you now? Did you? Did I hear right that you had a relative that was also? Uh, yeah. Well, his wife's brother was on St. Idaho when Idaho got wiped out in May wow. of '68. That was your wife's brother. Your wife's brother. Yes. brother. Yes. I have a two brother. One up the uh, got a BOW at the Langway, mm-hmm. and another one with the Idaho team. And Langvey was the aid camp that got overrun on Tet yeah. when he had the NVA tank, and they captured some of our people as well as some of the uh, indigenous people that took them back as POWs. That family paid a high price. Jeez. Jeez. How often? So now it's 19. How, how long were you in the job for? Uh, the total time from 66 to 72. In uh, 66 to uh, middle of the 67, the time was for training. In 67, I'm joined to the Alabama team till to August 72. I lost my leg. Wow. And so these, so these guys, you're going out the whole time. You're just going out on mission, 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 mission. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, other way, maybe you go back to town, get a little break for a week or something, a month, but uh, most of the time it's just work. Yes, sometimes. You know, like the, uh, yes, I just count uh, a month for one mission. Total time. Sometimes only 10 days, sometimes one month, three times. So that's why we received the money, get paid, for two time or three time. Okay, for example, uh, on the first day of the month, we take the money. We go downtown for two, three day. And after two, three day. We have no more money left. Mission, yeah, <laughs> mission. Many mission. <laughs> mission, I say, okay, we go. And we stand by there for a week because the weather, or whatever, you know, the some reason we, we can not go. And then we went there, but you know the, you know the shock law, right? It, when we come up to the LG, the communists shoot up. We, we came back, mm-hmm. we not jumping down. And then after a few days, one zero, we got a, Pass, go pass. He say, okay, for one day. And, you know, I t- try to do it. He, he understand it. No money. <laughs> he, he took to the uh, S1 to get the money. And then we on, uh, we on pass for two days or whatever weekend. We came back because the reason we stand by for that target, we cannot go... You know, the long trip, like go Saigon mm, or a lot. Just go away. Yes. And then come back for the mission again. We come up there because of the weather or whatever. 
for after a week we cannot go at the weekend I say that's why it's October 5th it's yes. beginning of the month they got through the payday and the weather broke because mm. we'd had rains and some yes. at the end of the monsoon season we stand by for for the target for like a two week three week or one month a, a lot of reason we cannot go there weather or the community activity underground I I bet you know like at the when we went out the mission everybody know even the Pentagon or even you know that the headquarters Asia, Asia headquarters in Saigon then the White House Saigon or whatever they yeah, have the, the, the White House we work together I think so so that's why but we can't I cannot remember how many mission I gotta go. I cannot remember. Too many, because you're busy. Many, yes. You didn't write a diary. You couldn't write no, a diary. No, no. We can't do anything. We can't we, we can say, hey, I go there, I go there, I go there. But when we receive the mission, like the uh, one zero say, hey, we gotta go ourselves. We understand ourselves. Mm -hmm. We gotta go DMV. We know the DMV. Or we gotta go uh, Lao. We know we gotta go Cambodian, Thailand, and Vietnam. The border. We know situation from them because we learn from uh, from training from the north, move to the south. They got so many secret zone from the uh, from the communists, and we know when they move from the north to the, from the north to the south. How they working on it? Our people very too heavy, like a rucksack, like a web gear. Who got it? Like a hundred pound or more than hundred pound, right? Some yes, close yeah. to it, yes. But the communists, like. they don't wear anything. Yes, AK forty seven and AK vest, because they live in there. They don't need food. They don't need carry water. They don't need carry food with them, because they live in there, like in my house. We came down there. We carry things the heavy. Then we learn from them. We know how their activity. But our job is protect this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He he told big, <laughs> and you know we we easy to move, mm -hmm. and we easy to understand them. But he from here, <laughs> he came to Vietnam. <laughs> In the jungle, he can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Young and dumb. Young <laughs> and but you know they good, good more than us. So uh, they smile more than us. <laughs> we learn from the Vietnamese. So on this mission on October fifth, the the helicopter puts you guys on the ground. You're getting shot at before you land. One of the helicopters then gets shot up and crashes, and and the one zero says we're still going. Correct. Uh, yes. When when we came down, the first chopper, I mean me, Jim Strong, 
And another two Vietnamese, uh, another two Vietnamese, we gotta go, nah, guy. We came down, the communist way, we dropped down the ground, they shoot it up. And we are not surprised about it, because we understand the situation. Did you see the flag that was flying? Yes. The NVA flag? Yes. NVA flag. Oh, there's an NVA flag? Yeah. That has to be a little bit of a warning sign. That's why Lynn argued with the one zero saying that flag is just at least 3,000 people here and we're nine. Like, yeah, like at the, uh, the flag, according from the flag, we can make it out like at the, not division, like a regime, like a 3,000 guy on the, on the ground. We understand that 3,000. Buku. <laughs> we understand Buku. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Lynn Black tried to get out. They got shot. And then King B leap up. And another King B, they got a tactical from the chopper. They land this way, down this way, land this way, down this way, and shoot another place to make it difficult to for communist adjustment where we're going down. Right, right. And then another chopper, that means H-34, it burn out, drop it out. Crash. Yes, crash. But, you know, we have on the ground, help up the chopper. What you gonna do? We gotta go. Mm -hmm. And the Lynn Black dropped down. When we dropped out, you know, that the plant LG, we gotta move to the jungle right way to hide and And we got a very quick briefing. See what you gotta do next. According from the pack walking up the uh, up Co the COVID. Yeah. Okay, got it. When they did the insertion. And we got a briefing with them. The pack walking say if the team got want an extraction, you have a, a right to do it. But James Stride, the big guy. The one zero said yeah. no. Said no. Come he thought, you know, well, we very strong, but he he forgot to understand that. Not in there, three thousand guy there, mm -hmm. and not our homeland. That a communist land, right? Land in Laos. Yes, and then they say. So continue to march. Yeah, that's what he said. And then Lynn Black told me, Let's go. <laughs> we should go back. <laughs> and he said, And then we go. Yeah, that was the because last wrong decision he made in his life. Yes. And we moved about like, a, uh, like 15 feet. We show, you know, the postcard from the uh, communists. Lynn Black forgot to tell you we found the uh, AK-47 magazine. Really? Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we found, you know, the rain course. Oh, is that right? Yeah, from the, uh, from the, uh, from the, uh, from the communists. Yes. And the tree, they let, they seated, you know, very clean. So I understand, you know, the they post, sitting there the, watching. The, yeah, they sit there for 
the photograph from the communist. There's an LZ watch stand. Oh, man. They had a lot of those set up, the different LZs that were, because there's only so many in Laos at that point. So they had LZ watchers, and they had some that were beginning to get platforms, and that's one of the first ones I forgot about. Yes, you forget had, about but it. But they had the platform, that's what he's talking about. They saw, so in addition, they knew that they were compromised by the gunfire. They saw the platform, so he had to go back, and yet the one zero said, go down the trail. With the helmet, the uh, communist uh, hat. This helmet. Yes. Did the, so how, what was the one zero's background right now, like in this operation? He had come from Germany. So he'd he had been assigned to Germany. He had stateside duty, but he'd never been to Vietnam. So he was not familiar with working with our Vietnamese counterparts, listening to people like Cowboy, and listening to Lynn. Lynn had a whole year experience in combat. And so he was one of these old school guys. I'm the, I'm the leader. We're going to do this. And that was the last bad decision he made in his life. Took the team into it. I was, still told him. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're not, you know, going out the trail sure. anymore. We, we go by in the jungle. So when you're down that trail, mm. that a big mistake. Yes. That never happened. Would you guys ever have situations where the team would look at the one zero and say, "No, we're not doing that." Well, that's what they had there, and the one zero overruled them. And most of the times, our we would listen to our our indigenous people, our little right. people. If they said don't go, there's a reason, and. Uh, that's just the mutual respect we had for him. Yeah. Um, particularly once you're on the ground. So it's just a matter of rapport between, this was a new team that come together and they had just taken the experience one zero off, who had combat experience, he had many missions, that uh, Tim Schaaf was the one zero prior. Because the other person, Jim Stride, mm -hmm. was more rank. Mm -hmm. They appointed him the team and uh, they told Tim to give him Another team. Yeah, this is why when you're in a leadership position, you listen to people. <laughs> you listen to your team. I mean, Correct. this is why. There's nothing. You, if you let your ego get in the way and you say, I'm going to let these people tell me what to do, it's like, okay, it doesn't work out well. you got to stay humble as a leader. Yeah, any leadership class, if you want to show what you shouldn't do, this is a classic example. But uh, we don't have a training with him. No. No. I, oh, and you never even trained with him? No. No. Yeah. We're training at the, the, uh, the uh, Hyvan Pass. Right. And then Team Shop. Yeah. Tim Shop. Team Shop. That pre training mission where they were. Pre training for the mission. But the Team Shop. Oh, well, okay. It's a different one zero. Right. Yeah, so, so this is just experience. a bad. This is bad all the way across the board. Yeah. And this is the one where the Navy saved. Yeah. saved ST Alabama because hmm. they were on his training mission and they had a lot of it's an area where you had Viet Cong and NVA but Thailand before but Thailand yeah. NVA and so they they got into a world of trouble there a world of shit with them <laughs> on a training mission and they drove <laughs> and the NVA drove them down to the South China Sea from their high ground because they had higher ground drove them down and Lynn fortunately had a, a frequency for the Navy and one of the Navy, not a PT boat, but a boat that had two, two or three fifty calibers, uh -huh. and they came in and picked the team up. Otherwise, they would have been wiped out right, on a training mission. 
it's a rough training mission. It was. <laughs> Cowboy wasn't happy about that either. <laughs> no, I like it because it's free, you know. You can go. Yeah, now. <laughs> Fishing. Uh, let, me, uh, let me pick this back up from the book on this mission on, on October 4th. So where we left yeah. off, or sorry, on, on October 5th, where this left off was the NVA are two rows deep, the front row firing AK-47s, the second row throwing grenades and, and firing RPGs. And then I'm going to pick this back up. It says another Vietnamese ST Alabama team member was wounded. The team had to get out of the hole or die in it. The bold NVA told the ST Alabama members to chew hoi or surrender, speaking first in French, English, and finally Vietnamese. ST Alabama's weapons drowned out further chew hoi requests. The one one. So they, so they asked you to surrender and you shot at them. And the chew hoi was a whole program, right? It was a whole program to get people to switch sides right. from yeah. we had a two hoy and then they knew the program so they used the same word surrender and st alabama and answered it in fine style with the carpet with, with one hand grenade one magazine <laughs> that answer to them that <laughs> uh, then it says the one one continued to pray so the one one got he he kind of lost it a little bit Totally. And he was curled up in a ball. He was putting his face in the sand, and he was trying to pray. I can tell. Got it. Because he on my team. Got it. He was on my team. I need to protect him. He need to protect me. Yeah. He on my team. Well, it says here, Black couldn't believe it. And Black says, this is no time to pray. Do unto others before they do unto you, he yelled. <laughs> Whether or not the NVA soldiers were praying, they continued to move around ST Alabama, some climbing into trees. Cowboy and Black crawled 15 feet toward them, close enough so that Cowboy heard the NVA commander tell his troops to prepare to charge ST Alabama's position. So you, you actually heard their commander give the order, prepare to charge. Yes, sir. The commander also told his troops on the long side of the L ambush not to fire. Black quickly rigged a Claymore mine in the direction of the pending charge. The fearless NVA mounted a charge toward ST Alabama with AK-47s on full automatic. Black detonated the Claymore mine. It blew a huge hole in the NVA ranks. Before the smoke cleared, ST Alabama ran through the human car carnage, firing car 15s on full automatic and throwing M26 frag grenades while dragging their three wounded team members. Miraculously, ST Alabama made it through the NVA wave of attackers and moved back towards the L LZ, leaving their dead behind. We tried to bring them with us, but we could. I tried to move up. To wrap the hand, the dead man, AK-47, I got to move back, I'm climbing back, going up, you know, the strike, hit the big guy, Too big. hit the fast guy, boom, mm -hmm. up. and I tried to climb over, and when they shoot it, hit to the uh, strike body, hmm. and I can feeling his body shake when he hit the bullet. So you're trying to drag his body, and his body is getting shot. Yeah. I understand exactly when I told them a lot, but they never listen. He, he he never listened to me. 
even there I heard hey communists say ambush don't kill them that means don't kill us oh because they wanted to capture you they wanted to capture and then I, I do it a lot <laughs> so But, for those of you that are just listening to this uh, cowboy keeps giving the hand signal for hey we need to circle up and get out of here get get the helicopters and get out of here yeah, that's, that, that's what you're that giving the hand the signal the whole time yeah. jumper get the king bees up and then he never listened to me he said go he uh, the point man the Vietnamese team leader here and uh, Jim strike um, back up him and then Lynn black Right. I know the M79 here. He said, "Go. You know the uh, you know you know the rule from the team. The first man get up. First step, second step, third step. Another man stand up. Okay. And step to to the boot where where the first man is step. And he stand up. I saw I saw him become." I hate him. I said, he said, no. A lot of time, but he never listened to me. And first step, he going down. Second step, third step. I hear the bullet. And he down. I turn around. I'm not stay there for, for save my life. I got to turn around and then the big tree, I lay there. And the communists shoot again. Because we're very close, like here to here. What, 10 feet? I thought no more than 10 feet. Mm. Wow. No more than 10 feet. The bush, he living there. And then when I try to move in to get it like at the SOA map, and then the, the thing for survival right. in his pocket. Survivor Red Radio. Yes, and the radio, oh, the radio, SOI, SOI, right? Yeah. SOI, radio frequency. I tried to talk about oh, everything in his body, given to Lynn, given to Black, and tried to take him out. I said, hey, strike, strike, strike. If nothing happened, what will you do? I tried to climb up, and they should be again. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky because you know his body is very big. When I try to move it, especially the uh, deployment, that too. So what what are we gonna do? We can't do anything. But when later on, the team later in here, the gun you know point like a, to uh, to hit hat. But he he didn't see it. Like here, his head is here. The the AK-47 gun right here. And the comment is up front. When he shoot it, we gonna we gonna find out where he is. And observation. I say, hey, AK-47 pointed the uh, lock here. And he said, and hit hit. You know the lock right. down, hit down, going down here, and he shoot the comment. It dropped out the AK-47 here. So you never know it from here to here. Mm -hmm. 
How do we survive? And open in my mind, we got a training in, a, in, in camp. We say, one handgunet, one magazine. That means you have a handgunet and you have a magazine. When we throw down handgunet, we cannot throw it too far. We throw it down, it means clear communists around us. One handgunet, one magazine. When we throw the grenade too close, we afraid the communists pick up the grenade, throw it back. back. So that's why we got a one handgunet, one magazine. We throw the grenade and we got a single shot. Ping, 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 be sure the communists keep their head down. Mm. They don't have a time to looking to pick up the grenade. You don't want to play catch with a handgunet. Yes. I said, one handgunet, one fucking handgunet, one fucking magazine. And when, because we AI drill in in home, right? Right. And we throw the grenade, ping, ping, ping. We so don't help to get you guys out yes. of the hole. Then. That's what he was talking about at that point. We don't have a, we, the communists, we have, they don't have a time to thinking what we gonna do? Mm. And then after my my get magazine is empty, he shoot it up. Ding, ding, ding. How the communists doing? Nothing. Can't do anything. And then when we we clear around us. And another another wave. One magazine, one magazine. And then like at the we got a big company. Because everybody one throw the one one hanger neck. What do you, what do you think? What do you hear? Boom 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 boom. Oh. boom. So they scare us. How we how we fighting? So that's why you know we try to clear around us, mm-hmm. and then we be safety at the time. Me- meanwhile, go- going back to the book, uh, Covey says. The king bees had to return to Fubai to refuel. No extraction was possible for at least two to three hours. That bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the relentless and the relentless and bloodied NVA ran after the spike team. Black planted a claymore mine with a five-second time delay fuse. It wreaked havoc on the hard-charging NVA. At, as the smoke cleared and the body parts settled back to the earth, ST Alabama split in half again and charged through the battered, torn ranks of the NVA warriors, killing any standing enemy. They counted at least 50 NVA dead. Again, eerie silence engulfed the team and ST Alabama regrouped. Just as suddenly, a new wave of NVA soldiers rushed the beleaguered team. ST Alabama had been pushed near the cliff it was a thousand feet to the ground if they went over the edge. Now online, ST Alabama charged through the weakest NVA flank, killing more enemy soldiers. So you guys are, there's thousand foot cliffs? There's a thousand foot cliffs that you guys are up against? Yeah, jump off the Whatever you believe or not, but yeah. it's happened. Yeah. And then, so you guys, this is, this is an important lesson for people is, Every time you guys are put into a tough situation, you go on the attack. You attack through the flank. You attack through the ambush. And right here, ST Alabama charged through the weakest NVA flank. That was 
they did that several times. I mean, that's what the NBA, they're not used to recon teams charging. Yeah. And that's what saved their lives at that point. Yeah, that's even though the Vietnam guys that taught us when I was a young SEAL, they would say, if you get caught in an ambush, you have to attack them. You, If you stay there, you're just going to die. So you have to attack. Exactly, exactly. If we not attack them, they're going to run over us. So we're going to attack them. And that they scan it, we can run over to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly about. I'm continuing on here. Something hit Black on the side of the head, knocking him to his knees. He was scrambling to get up when the <laughs> grenade went off. The last thing he remembered was being slammed into a tree face first and the car 15 handle digging into his chest. So somebody hit him in the head with a grenade. Yeah, we don't know. Where is yeah. that? Where is that from? <laughs> but lucky for him, you know, the, from the China. There's a Chinese hand grenade. They're, Chinese. Uh, they're poorly made. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they make it by themselves in the jungle. Was that right? Oh, okay, yeah. it was like a homemade grenade. Wow. He thought he was drowning, but, he, but then he felt feet kicking him and hands slapping him all over. It was the team. They were beating Black back into consciousness and pouring water on his face. He tried to get up, but his legs didn't work. From the knees down, there were no fatigue pants, just surface bleeding. One of the guys started smearing gelatinized rice on the one, two's legs, arms, and chest. Black's web gear and what was left of his fatigue jacket were lying shredded bloody on the ground. The car 15 was bent where the barrel meets the receiver and the bolt couldn't be pulled back. One of the team buried it. By 0900, word of ST Alabama's precarious position had spread through FOB1, through FOB1 like wildfire. Wildfire. Requests were made for an extra assets. It was now an official prairie fire emergency. All aircraft were pulled from their missions and sorties to support ST Alabama. Any gunships attached to SOG were summoned to their aid. The first gunships to arrive were Marine Hueys, known as Scarface. With them was a CH-46 with a ladder attached for jungle extraction. When the twin rotor helicopter entered the AO, it was hammered by heavy enemy ground fire, as were the Marine gunships. Green tracers were seen going toward the CH-46. The ground fire became too intense and the Marine chopper had to withdraw and make an emergency landing at Camp, Camp Eagle in the 101st Airborne Compound. Despite this, despite the hit, Scarface gunships made several passes, expending all ordnance before returning to base to reload. King B officers regrouped and prepared to fly back to Laos to extract what was left of ST Alabama. The S3 asked for volunteers for a bright light mission and every recon man in FOB1 volunteered. ST Idaho was scheduled to insert into the Prairie Fire AO the next day, 6 October. Because the team was ready to go, there was some initial discussion about Idaho being the bright light team. As the day dragged on, however, and the perilous nature of ST Alabama's situation worsened, the bright light option faded because the original LZ was now too deadly for any helicopter to attempt an extraction. So you, you, you were you in S, were you the 1-1? Yeah, we were, were you the 1-0 in ST? Zero at that point. Yeah, Don Wolfe was the one zero. So you guys are going leg, we'll go, we'll go now. Yeah, we're getting ready for our mission on October 6th, and then we were all ready. They said, you guys are ready, so we're going to do the bright light. And then they changed their mind later because of all the intense fire and another helicopter got shot down in the process. Unbelievable day. So Watkins, Watkins was the covey? Right, they, took, they rotated. Watkins, then when the covey got low on fuel, then Spider Parks was there. 
And he got low on fuel. Pat was back. Back. So they were both the two uh, Cubby guys were there because they were really familiar with that target by that mm-hmm. time. So here we go. When Watkins, who's the Cubby, returned at the FOB for the Cessna to refuel, he told the others that it didn't look good. He wasn't sure if they'd be able to get them out. He explained the low sunken area in the LZ, the spotty weather, and how smoke from the expended ordnance hung over the LZ, making it more difficult to spot the team and to deliver airstrikes accurately. A resupply of ammo, grenades, claymore mines, M79 rounds, water, bandages, and morphines, and morphine was placed on a King Bee and launched towards ST Alabama. In Laos, Cowboy worked on Black's legs. He told Black that the last wave of NVA had continued onto the LZ. Cowboy and Black heard more U.S. Marine Huey gunships arrive overhead and witnessed the NVA on the LZ open fire, hammering the lead aircraft. Again, the 1-1 panicked, cried, and shouted skyward. The Vietnamese team members speaking through Cowboy told Black that they were going to kill the 1-1 if he didn't shut up. Black agreed. I'll pull the trigger myself. (laughs) God forgive you, the 1-1 responded tearfully. You and your God have no place here, Black retorted. Cowboy grabbed the startled Black by the throat and lifted a Catholic crucifix from his neck and shoved his lips to it. It's the God to have allowed us to get this far, round eye. <laughs> oh, so this is just a, a nightmare of a situation. What are you guys doing on the ground while all this uh, close air support is coming in? I can tell you the first thing in the air that you know when 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 the black down you know the water in the jungle we cannot you know wave it right right but we still pour a whole kind of water to him mm. to make him wake up I mean we don't know our situation we don't know the water how how we don't know the water in in the jungle but we still do it because we love him very much and the thing, you know, we, I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how to tell you, but we got to protect by God mm-hmm. at all the time. Divine intervention. Yes. <laughs> Maybe when I pray. <clears throat> it, you know, we only pray. Only, only pray. At the end of the the way we go on at the end of the the thing in my mind. We shoot them. They shoot up. And then if the God not protect me, not protect our team member, we not stay here. That hundred percent for true. That's what I told you, I can tell you it. I can imagine the time he lay down, I'm crying. I say, hey, black, black, black. He only one, you know, we can believe. One, one, I cannot tell anything. Because he can't do anything to him. Even, you know, we respect him a lot. But at the time, what should we do? In my mind, God protect us. Please. Because we have no change. We have nowhere to go. We can't do anything. They got a thousand, thousand. We have only few guys. Only seven guys. Because we dead two already. And three wounded. I got a wounded myself. 
Amsterdam and I wounded. Black. Black wounded. Amsterdam and I run out the uh, the ammo, the bullet, and almost we use a knife. Mm. But lucky for us, I mean we can pick up the. Uh, AK-47. The AK-47 mm-hmm. and the weather from the communists. And we still protect, we can protect us at, on the ground. So I can tell you, because when, that's all my heart, mm-hmm. and all in my heart. Even, you know, James Strike still back, still back there. Two or three Vietnamese bodies still back there. We can't do anything. When we ring up that, make me feel, you know, that depressed. I can only to tell you about. So I don't know why Meyer and me still alive in here. I don't know. That is magic. <sighs> <coughs> By the way, this isn't even over yet. This is not even close. Going back to the book, the sound of the approaching king bees ended the religious debate as the realities of a surviving A-shall hell became center focus. The able-bodied picked up the wounded and moved toward the LZ. Spider, the Covey rider at the time, told Black that the first King Bee was en route to the LZ, but they planned to work the area surrounding ST Alabama with tactical air support first. In this case, an F-4 Phantom jet pilot told Black to key your handset for 10 seconds and put your head in the dirt. Black acknowledged his radio transmission and told his teammates to put their heads down. As he looked into the sun, he observed the slowest moving, full-flapped phantom he had ever seen. The glide path ratio was critical. Seconds later, he saw the tree line across the LZ explode into sheets of white, yellow, and orange flames, setting the jungle on fire with napalm. The ship banked sharply, appearing to stand its wingtips on the ground. The pilot cranked the burners dropped down into the valley below, and then began a vertical climb. NVA small arms opened up on all sides of the valley. The F-4 took numerous hits on its armor-plated underbelly. Among those shooting at the fast mover were several NVA troops about 20 feet from ST Alabama's perimeter. As the napalm torched the jungle, dozens of NVA soldiers scurried into the open field to escape the instant inferno that engulfed their comrades. As a second gent rolled in for a gun run, the NVA initiated what they called getting close to the belt. In this case, the NVA soldiers moved toward or outright charged ST Alabama to get as close to the team members as possible to avoid being hammered or burnt by the Air Force Marines or Army Air Ordnance. Firing on single shot, ST Alabama picked off each of them as they came out of the burning jungle. The Phantoms returned before returned with two cannon and minigun runs along the team's perimeter. Before the dust settled, the Vietnamese team leader Tho, team leader Tho and Cowboy crawled out and recovered several AK-47s and precious ammunition from the dead enemy soldiers as their Car 15 ammo was dwindling to a few precious rounds. So you're crawling out and actually grabbing the enemy weapons and grabbing enemy ammunition. From the dead soldiers. Dead soldier. They lie down there, I pick it up. Deliver to another team member. Because in order to survive, we gotta do it. 
we gonna do it. We carry body, enemy, put up, make the chain back to protect our people mm-hmm. too. Using enemy bodies as sandbags to protect yourselves. Yes. It goes on here. Two of the nine-cylinder King Bees came chugging up the valley toward ST Alabama. Black popped a green smoke marker. The NVA popped an identical smoke marker, confusing the pilots with devastating results. The first King Bee followed the NVA's smoke marker and took a direct hit from a rocket which toppled it on its side, smashing each rotor blade into the ground. The approaching ST Alabama team members narrowly missed getting hit with shrapnel from the crash. Black Cowboy and another team member charged the rocket position, killing the three NVA before a hail of NVA fire drove them back into the team perimeter. The second H-34 hit an outcropping of rock on the western side of the knoll. After taking heavy enemy gunfire, it exploded and fell 1,000 feet to the valley floor below, taking with it ST Alabama's resupply. Covey barked, nice going, Black Jack. Fuck you, Covey, he replied. (laughs) Cowboy told the 1-1 to pray for everyone except Black because he was going on the devil's side. Black broke into laughter as he assessed ST Alabama's predicament. Ammo was desperately low. The blood trails looked like slug slime. The F-4 Phantoms had expended their ordnance, and Covey was belligerent. His nerves were shot. Training and a man's basic survival instinct had completely taken over. Then the NVA bugles sounded. So at this point, this scene, you guys are running out of ammunition. You got three wounded. You got two dead. No, more than two dead. You're, you're, you're taking enemy weapons off the ground. You're building a bunker with enemy bodies. The helicopters finally show up to get you out of there, and they both get shot out of the sky. Yes. <clears throat> what do you think your chances are for survival at this point? This only can uh, I can say that God protect us. No one can. <laughs> no one can. Even not only to uh, to chop it down. We got a lot of support up the air, like a phantom, like a skyrider. Like at the CH uh, 53 Charlie Green Giant, we can see the bird. You know, it's over the air. Oh, other so time, but not only two, a lot. So you can actually see your air support. They're flying around, they're dropping bombs, they're dropping napalm, but it doesn't really help. I mean, the fact that you guys are on the ground, even though you can see them. Yes, I can see it. And then. And an enemy very scanny. And then we on the ground, we can point. Skyrider, bomb is in there. And then they very scanny. That's why we survive. Another reason that. In this day, God came in the form of close air support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they want Skyrider next, don't you? You can see that. Keep your fucking head down. Yeah. That means bomb neck to me. Yeah. Bomb neck to me. Yeah. Because they up the air. They know what's going, where we are. You know, in the head, we got a panel. Mm-hmm. Yep. We turn over. Yep. So the airplane can see where we were. Right. We used to do the same thing. Yes. Was that right? Yep. 
That was another thing the Vietnam guys taught us inside of our floppy hat. We would sew an air panel in there so we could flip it over and let let the helicopters or gunships know where we I were. Should have worn a floppy hat. What were you wearing? My little bandana. Oh, uh, you're too cool for the floppy hat, huh? <laughs> you see that? Yeah, we 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 have a hat. Yes. Inside the hat, we got a sure. uh, the, the the panel. panel. The communists they don't they don't know anything about. And then exactly bomb to the to the enemy. And so that's black was on the radio running mm-hmm. all the all the calling in the airport. Like it right there they say, Hey now clock but two hundred feet bomb it there right away. And I wanna hit you, I say twelve o'clock five feet <laughs> and neck to me. You see it? Peace. Yeah, we 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 can control the uh, airplane because the pet and uh, pet walking and then spider up there. For the cover, yes. And they're able to we, give them the we, control. We we work together. We yeah. we control everything. But the people outside say, "How how do we survive? It's easy to survive because we there. We shoot the bomb." Because, mm-hmm. like you said, you read earlier in the story, we, we, they declared a prairie fire emergency. So, when the first ones out of the Marines, Scarface, when they expended, then the uh, the F ones came in, then the A one Sky Raiders, and then later we had Army, yeah, you know, judging executioner. Uh-huh. They came out. Yeah, we we understand exactly. Communists, you know, very afraid the airplane. Mm-hmm. Even they got a big gun or they got a tank, they very scanny. Yeah, you know, two seven five rockets. Because we we on the ground, they want to kill us. It very difficult, and they want to kill us because they are afraid of us. You know, their their area got destroyed by the bomb. We there, we not authorized to shoot the people, but we can call a plan, even at night or day. Mm-hmm. We got it, you know, like communication with the uh, with the air, right? Yes. Like at the at night, we got a moonbeam, moonbeam at night, and then Greenboro, the airborne, the airborne something. Airborne oh, okay. For all of Southeast Asia, so they would fly over and they would do combo checks at night, right. which is moonbeam. During the day, would be Hillsboro, so Hillsboro. Uh, yes. They stayed close, the support. They were way above all the activity, mm-hmm. the Kobe yeah. and the fast movement. So that this one other level of communication. So if anything dropped off, like the coveys were in between, they could still talk yeah. to Hillsboro and then still direct the gunships from that talk directly to the gunships or helicopter crew. That, and Lynn did all that. Yeah. Good shock. When he was yeah. Good shock, we got it, you know, the system. We understand exactly. So we're not upgraded. We only small group. They cannot find us. But they got big group. Hey, you there? You got a big tank. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> yes. Well, I'll tell you. Speaking of communications, I can't imagine a more horrific sound to hear than the sound of the bugles from the communists getting ready to attack. That's yeah. got to be a nightmare. Well, we we. We come there, their their house. They are afraid to destroy their house. 
So we want to, they want to kill us. It's not, not easy. Not going to be easy. Yeah, not easy. Because we learn a lot. We're training a lot. We know when, when we came down there, we got a briefing, right? How many enemy underground? Where we can hide them? Where we can put it, uh, the top? I mean, M14 mine? Where uh, top up, where we can put it, Claymore mine, we can put it uh, C4. And we know situation on the ground. We know everywhere, especially we got experience in the jungle. And you, American, you know situation, you know how knowledge with the uh, American. Mm -hmm. I'm Vietnamese or whatever I'm known. I'm better than the people from the north. So we, I understand exactly when they're moving. Mm -hmm. I look in the jungle, I, I look in the mountain, and I can see it. Uh, where are they? And that way you could help Lynn Black direct the airstrikes. Got you it. saw the most <coughs> enemy activity. Yeah. Right here, by the way, day by day we got experience. I'm not too good, but with my experience, I can look up the junk. The mountain here, mountain here, I can say, hey, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, Black, we down here. I read the uh, location for him. And then, that's the way it is. But then after the bugles blew, then things got ugly again. Yeah, here. But then you had your, your walls built. Let, yeah, let, let me pick it up. So, the NVA bugles sounded. Waves of NVA troops carrying SKSs with fixed bayonets advanced on ST Alabama. When they were 15 feet away, ST Alabama opened fire. The semi-automatic SKSs were no match for the fully automatic firepower of the spike team. After the first burst of full automatic fire, the team went to single shot. It was another turkey shoot. Without a word, a look, or a plan, acting solely on instinct, all of them, except the 1-1, one, one, scurried forward and dragged back dead NVA, placing the bodies in a circle around them and stacking them high. The deadly skirmishing continued for several hours before Covey told Black that more gunships and five jolly green giants with heavily armored Sikorsky HH-3Es were en route. Blackjack, Covey, what you're up against is the regiment you are sent to find, over. And Blackjack replies, is that all? Only 3,000 of the bastards? Well, I think we made a dent in them. Who's winning? They are, Covey responded. As Black finished his combo, he saw a sight he would never forget. The NVA formed a front line of NVA troops who were firing their AK-47s. Behind them were several NVA soldiers swinging thongs made of leather and cloth, which held three to five hand grenades each. With a jerk of their collective wrists, the NVA hurlers launched more than two dozen communist-manufactured grenades at ST Alabama. The sky was full of grenades. 
Fortunately, they weren't U.S. grenades. They hit the ground and threw dirt, smoke, and dust all over the place. ST Alabama looked up just as the AKs started again, and behind them, the thongs whirling overhead like helicopter blades. When the AKs stopped, the grenades were released. ST Alabama fired. More grenades were released. Alabama threw some back. ST Alabama was caught in a deadly version of the kid game Pop Goes the Weasel. The AK-47s continued to roar, Alabama ducked, the grenades were launched, Alabama rocked, catch, duck, throw, duck, catch, throw, the NVA advanced. Grenade shrapnel several severed the antenna of the PRC-25 radio. He quickly, Black quickly rigged an impromptu antenna from wire. The relentless NVA continued to advance inch by bloody inch. Cowboy took two Vietnamese team members over the cadaver-walled perimeter, seeking to get another line of fire to direct at the advancing NVA. The advance continued despite firing from Black and the remaining Vietnamese team members. The NVA were now merely feet away from the perimeter. Sheesh. Do you believe it? (laughs) I can't believe you're sitting here talking to me. (laughs) Really, even now. Yeah. Jeez. Throwing bunches of grenades. That's just a horror show. (laughs) That's crazy. That's the first time we ever saw that, right? Yes. Yes. A new tactic. (sighs) We live in here. They here. Here the bell is going down here. The first thing we we at the top. So there's a ri- so there's a little ridge line. Yes. And they're on one side of the ridge line. Yes. You're on the other side of the ridge line. And then they shoot up. We're going down here. We move to uh, you know we got a high in here to cover us and grenade throw here. Oh, so they're throwing grenades over the ridge line at you. Yes. And then as you as I say that coming is it not training well. So if you know, they throw a grenade, put it out, come in here, one, two, three, four, they throw it. We're gonna die, everybody. But they just pulled oh, the pin they and just pulled the pin put and the pin and, and throw it. They didn't cook them at all? Yes, and we have a time. We have a timer to pick it up and throw it back. Because, because they are not well training. Mm-hmm. But with us, hand grenade, Put it now. Thumb it. One, two, three. Throw it. When they pick it up, it's gonna blow it out. That's why we can suggest it. Coming it is not well training mm-hmm. or whatever. They not training at all. They just know put it out and throw it. That's why we Lucky still for you. yeah we still survive. And the people that you understand, they say, hey, the guy is liar. No, it's not a liar, but they are training it not, 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 not well, not good. So that's why we, we're here, Meyer. <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, going back to the book, at the last moment with the NVA a few body lengths away from the perimeter, two Huey gunships 
from the Americal Division, 176th Aviation Company, the Minutemen muskets of the 36th Charlie arrived. The UH-1B pilots were codenamed the Judge and the Executioner. They roared into battle, first with a minigun blast, followed seconds later with several 2.75 millimeter rockets placed in the NVA ranks. Alabama was saved, if only for a little while. The NVA backed off for a few moments, briefly licking their collective wounds, although they were far from whipped. New assault lines of the NVA troops formed. Before the NVA opened fire on ST Alabama, however, the executioner confronted the NVA head-on. With both door gunners blazing away with their handheld M60 machine guns, he hovered inches off the ground between the team and the front of the NVA and skipped several 2.75 millimeter rockets off the ground into the NVA. Before the bleeding, startled NVA could respond, the pilot lifted the old UH-1B model gunship over the tree line and ducked down into the canyon, regaining enough airspeed to return for another pass at the ST Alabama perimeter. Before ST Alabama could celebrate, the NVA charged again. Three more dead NVA were added to the cadaver wall. Silence dominated the battlefield. No bird chirps, no speaking, no noise of any type. Even the aircraft over the scene had flown far enough away that their absence amplified the empty air. The one one who hadn't fired a single shot continued to pray. Black patched up a bleeding cowboy. He gave him some morphine before bandaging a wound on the right side, on his right side from an AK-47 round. Where's John Wayne when you need him? Cowboy asked. <laughs> the others laughed. Chuhoy Duma, give up, motherfuckers! An enemy soldier yelled. Another NVA told Black to Chuhoy in English. Black flipped him the bird as a sniper sniper shot Alabama's tail gunner, Kwong, is that right, Kwong? Kwong, Kwong in the crotch, hitting an artery. As Thoa pried direct pressure pressure to Kwong's wound, an A-1E Sky Raider lumbered into the AO, flown by pilot codenamed Snoopy. He roared in from Black's left, brushing the treetops, full flaps, working his throttle. The aircraft was so close to the team that Black could hear the distinctive metallic click-click of the napalm canisters being released from the old Korean War airplane. The Sky Raider appeared to be falling, but it actually slipped down into the valley to escape NVA gunfire as the American UH-1B gunships and fast movers had maneuvered earlier in the day. His wingman appeared as he flew, and he as he flew over the team, they could hear the nuts and bolts of God knows what creaking and groaning as he salvoed the rockets. The NVA were pissed. Again, the hot shell casings from the airborne warships rained down on ST Alabama. Where's John Wayne when you need him? <laughs> That's a great line. This guy, cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and where, where did you got you got shot with AK? Yes. You want to see, you want to see scar? No. In my butt. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, sir. <laughs> He's got so many scars. <laughs> many scars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy to think you're so close to these guys that you're talking to them, yelling out Chu Hoi, Chu Hoi Du Ma. <laughs> oh, yeah. They all the way called. They what? The enemy all the way Chu Hoi. Get the fucker. Chu <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then three small mortars opened fire. Black knew there was no way in hell any of the teams could catch the mortars and throw them back. 
He and the Vietnamese team leader Tho rolled over the cadaver wall toward the mortars, cautiously picking their way through the charred NVA bodies and carnage from the previous airborne assaults. They moved into the jungle within 20 feet of the first mortar tube. Tho drew a plan in the ground. He would hit tube one, Black would hit tube three, and they'd combine on t- tube two. After the mortarman launched three salvos, Tho opened on his target while Black attacked his target tube and several NVA, several nearby NVA soldiers. The survivors chased Black. In the confusion, the NVA opened fire on each other as Black headed toward Tube 1, with NVA soldiers still chasing him where Tho was pinned down. Black threw a hand grenade and killed at least three NVA with a blast of gunfire to free Tho. They turned on the NVA chasing Black and dealt with them. Then he and Tho wiped out the NVA at the second tube before they quickly returned to the team, all while picking up ammo and loaded AK-47 magazines from dead or wounded NVA soldiers. By now, Watkins had returned to flying Covey Rider above ST Alabama. Spider had called the U.S. Air Force 37th Air Rescue and Recovery Group in Da Nang to attempt to rescue the rest of ST Alabama. During the Vietnam War, when pilots were shot down in in North Vietnam or Laos and all else failed, the Jolly Greed Giants were called. The Sikorsky HH-3E weighed 22,000 pounds loaded and had two General Electric T-58GE-5 turboshaft, 1,500 horsepower engines, extra armament and firepower, and they were manned by remarkable Air Force pilots and crews. The first heavily armored Jolly Green Giant, codenamed JG-28, started its descent to the LZ from 4,000 feet. As it approached, the JG crew was looking for an orange panel on the southeast side of the LZ. However, as the aircraft was about to touch down, crew members noticed a second panel. The NVA had an identical panel. The momentary pause was nearly fatal for JG-28 as the NVA opened fire on it from several sides. The heavy gunfire severed the main fuel line, causing a massive fuel leak inside the helicopter. JG-28 had to withdraw from the LZ. In a matter of seconds, there were two or three inches of aviation fuel on the aircraft's cabin floor. The fumes temporarily blinded the crew members. The pilot was able to stabilize and return to Da Nang. As JG-10 hovered a safe distance away from the LZ, Watkins directed a few more airstrikes around ST Alabama with the hope that the communist soldiers would put their heads down long enough for the team to get out. After a few airstrikes, JG-10, piloted by Air Force Major Vernon Sam Grenier, was called to attempt the extraction. For Grenier, this was his first assignment in the Prairie Fire AO as a Jolly Green Giant pilot. Hey, welcome to welcome to Prairie Fire. When the call from Covey came, Grenier knew that there were two U.S. Green Berets on the ground with their Vietnamese team members and that the majority of the team was wounded. He didn't hesitate. Grenier piloted the Jolly Green Giant toward the LZ. Unlike JG-28, Grenier knew which side of the LZ ST Alabama was on. As he approached the LZ, NVA gunfire again reached a deafening roar, despite ST Alabama directing firepower at the communist soldiers. As Grenier began to hover over the LZ, JG-10 was hammered by enemy gunfire. His crew chief reported that one NVA round had tore a six-inch hole through the floor. The round apparently slammed into one of the engines. Both engine warning lights went on. Both engines were on fire. Grenier did a 180-degree turn and moved the damaged aircraft away from the deadly enemy fire and away from the team, struggling to keep it airborne, calling upon all the training he had received to continue flying. Both crew members continued firing their machine guns as Grenier battled to keep the ship in the air. 
Time ran out for JG-10. After traveling several hundred yards, Grenier warned his crew to brace him- themselves for a crash landing. Both crew members continued firing their weapons until the burning HH-3E slammed into the jungle. ST Alabama was stunned. Covey and all the men flying over the target area viewed the horror in grim silence. What's that? Four helicopters have gone down now? Five? Including the first the first one on insert? Four. Four. The men back at FOB-1 monitored the radio transmissions on their PRC-25s as Covey talked to Black. Spike Team Alabama's radio signal was too weak to hear any response. The word spread through camp that the latest horrific turn of events surrounding ST Alabama, the usual hustle bustle of a Saturday at FOB1 was replaced by quiet hushed tones as the entire compound feared the worst, but continued to pray for the men of ST Alabama. Word of a proposed Arclight mission reinforced the gravity of ST Alabama's situation. An Arclight was a strike by a B-52 bomber from more than 25,000 feet. Back in Laos, the stunned members of ST Alabama returned to their cadaver perimeter once again, nearly out of ammo. One one was facing down, muttering, the Lord is my shepherd. One of the Vietnamese went about collecting AK-47s and ammo from the dead NVA as Spider and Watkins directed more airstrikes around the team. Within 10 to 15 minutes after Grenier's burning HH-3 crashed into the jungle, Covey learned that there were two survivors from the Jolly Green Giant and asked ST Alabama if they could locate the remaining crew members. Grenier had broken his back but somehow pulled himself from the burning helicopter. The other Jolly Green Giant survivor, Sergeant Ernest Dean Casbeer, had been thrown clear of the crash. Neither knew the location of the other. Watkins told Black where the Air Force survivors were and that they'd run a daisy chain between his position and the men, hopefully to clear the area enough for the team to get to both of the survivors. The NVA threw one more curve at ST Alabama. When Black tried to talk to Covey, he found the primary, secondary, and alternate FM frequencies jammed by the NVA. Frustrated, Black smashed the PRC-25 and pulled out his URC-10 high-frequency survival radio. He was told an arc light strike was being planned for this area as soon as possible. By now, all air assets, Navy, Marine, and Air Force, which had been scheduled to fly sorties into North Vietnam, were diverted to the Prairie Fire Emergency surrounding ST Alabama. Covey directed numerous airstrikes, including more gun and rocket runs from helicopter gunships. Scarface and Hueys from the Marine Light Helicopter Squadron 367 returned to make several runs. After refueling and reloading in Fubai, the Minutemen muskets returned to wreak havoc on the persistent NVA troops. They pounded the jungle area between ST Alabama and Air Force survivors. Around 1800, a Jolly Green pilot Air Force Major Don Olson called over the radio. Blackjack, JG-32, over. I'm parked down in the draw in the trees from you. You have 20 minutes of fuel before I leave. The first person we must see is an American. Hurry, we're taking heavy ground fire. Jeez. So now it's 6 o'clock at night. You've been there all day on the ground. Four helicopters down. You've got two survivors that you're going to try and link up with. 
Jolly Green just came down to the jungle and hovered in the jungle just to just waiting there. Lower his profile and to wait. Yeah, it's a it's a counterintuitive thing that when you're in an aircraft and when you're in a helicopter or a plane, when you're up higher, it makes you a, an easier target. It's better to get low where the enemy can't see you. So I know it's it might not make sense. People might think, oh, it'd be better to go up, but it's actually in a lot of cases better to go down, and that's what this guy's doing. <clears throat> Anything that couldn't be carried was thrown over the side of the cliff. As quickly as the wounded could move, they headed toward the Jolly Green Giant. Could you guys hear the helicopter? Did you know where it was? Yes. So you could hear it and you're like, okay, we gotta go for it. Yes. The chopper had literally cut away the treetops and branches to nestle into the thick, dark green foliage, thus reducing its profile to enemy gunners. Olsen had to keep the aircraft stable as there were large trees on all sides of the aircraft. The trees were large enough that they could severely damage the five rotor blades and cause the trapper, chopper to crash if the, any of them got hit. Covey directed more airstrikes in a daisy chain fashion in the portion of jungle between ST Alabama and the hovering Jolly Green Giant. Watkins hoped this would drive out or kill NVA in the zone. Even that task became more difficult as smoke from all the ordnance continued to hang over the trees, decreasing the visibility for pilots and helicopter gunners. As they moved toward the hovering helicopter, ST Alabama entered a cool ravine before climbing a final hill to the chopper. There they encountered a village with hooches built on 10-foot stilts, complete with large pots cooking rice and vegetables. Instead of NVA troops, Black found an American taking food from one of the pots. He was the flight engineer, Sergeant Ernest Dean Casbier, one of the two Air Force survivors from the crashed helicopter. Soon they found Grenier, who had assisted in directing the hovering Jolly Green to this area in the jungle despite his broken back. You want to talk about miracles? Yeah. Randomly running into these guys <laughs> in the village. In the village. <laughs> Jeez. But we know we, we knew it. Two guys, two survivors. We yeah, knew that before. Yeah. Before. Uh, LG is here. The Jolly Green Tandit dropped down here. It crashed. We run from here all the way down here. You know the communist house around here, we got a difficult time to join with them. So that's why we take, you know, very crazy decision. We go or we go fast or we go slowly mm -hmm. or we go, you know, the by another way to get in to join with them. This from uh, from uh, from the hill here to the crash it very difficult time for us, but we gotta do it. You know, like at eighteen o'clock, right? A little, little bit dark. Mm, so it's starting to get dark. And uh, blood and angle key want to say, hey, we stay here for overnight, but. I thought in my mind, if I stay overnight, I gonna die because my bleeding in the back, everything in my body. I say, hey, let me let me join first, and I run through. But we had a tactical to escape from the uh, from here to the crash site. I say, go fight. <laughs> 
and Kwong and Ju got a two gun. They fought ting, 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 and then I run. So you just kind of went for it. Yes. <laughs> and, and they still And were you, were you trying to get to where the helicopter was? Yes. And you were just going to go by yourself? Yes. Because otherwise you were going to bleed out? Yes. At what point did the rest of the team decide to go with you? They, they when you stayed made there. It? They stayed there. I'm the pointman uh-huh. to open the, like the blood way to let, if I'm die, if the team get it, to be the safety. If I run through, and then when I get there, I got to shoot back, ding, ding, and the team run. Okay, so you were gonna, they yeah. were covering for you. Yes. And then when you got there, you covered for them. Yes. And then when I run there, I say, hey, I saw the chopper there, and I stay there, I say, go. When we don't have a radio, but when I shot it, the people understand I'm safety. And then Kwang, they gotta run through my uh, my way. We rejoin in there with the helicopter side. But we understand if mm-hmm. I'm stay overnight, I gonna die because the bleeding. Sure. And then anyway, I gonna uh, I die. Let's try. Mm. Let's try to looking for the way for survival. Right. So you you didn't you were either gonna die trying to run there or yeah. you're gonna die staying there overnight. Yes. So you might as well either go for way, it. Either way, either thing, I gotta die. If and, I'm stay there. And you already had died what three times, four times at this point in your career. <laughs> but you know, how do we hear? We still you know understand we training well, we training good, and then we work together. Really good. If I'm running, if Kwang and uh, Black or whatever can protect me, they give you cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cover fire. I gotta die in my way. So and, that's why. And I the went. NVA wasn't used to you guys running. Yes, they didn't expect it. No, again, they just before they charged through the ranks several times, and then this one here, he's running, and then the others follow. Another one. Ding, 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 they thought, you know, right there. And you're firing but, with AK-47s by now, so that way um, the NVA maybe wouldn't be so alert. If they heard CAR-15s, they would come quickly for the CAR-15s, but hearing AK, maybe they weren't sure. That may have helped. No, also. we still have a, uh, one or two CAR-15. Really? You know, we, uh, you know the way CAR-15, the, the front? Yes. We put, we take it the, in the front of the M-16, Yes. We put in in car 15. Different shop. <laughs> for a different what? Different oh, shop. For d- oh, okay. Yeah. Different shop. So when I saw that, bam, like it, uh, like, a, like a machine gun. Right. But the car 15, the, the long one in here. Yes. It's very small. But when we shoot it by the 
I don't know how to call it, but you know, the front up. It's the, the, it's the, it's the flash on the end. Yes. Yes. So oh, a different flash. Per, it's it. about two inches. Yeah, right here. They had the yeah. early M16. Oh, okay. Three prong. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Very early M16 with that three prong. They, they changed the flash. Different sound. Different sound. So a different sound. Yeah. Very yeah. different sound. Yeah, very different oh, yeah. sound. Yeah. You know, the common so is. One more thing that saved you. Yeah, one more thing. You're yeah. running, you're bleeding. And you're firing car 15s but different sound along with the AKs and they knew that and then they follow me and oh. then at the time that they follow me I got ping ping just single shot just single shots yeah if you put it full automatic you don't have a good enough you know the ammo mm -hmm. so the ping we count maybe we can play game with them <laughs> one two three ping one two three Bing, bing, sometime. <laughs> and they scan it. If you fools, you know, the automatic, it, they say, hey, this guy is no experience in the mm, war. He's an amateur. Yes. <laughs> and uh, easy to run out the ammo. But yeah. Bing. Not bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Different, different way, different style. So they know the, uh, you know, the people with the enemy, they understand exactly those guys that how how they learning. So, according from the uh, from the training, we're doing well. We're doing good, very good. <laughs> so any situation, anywhere, and anytime. Training counts. Yes. So just you know, just let the people understand that in the army now, you better learn. You better train. Don't be, don't say, hey, I'm hero, I'm hero, I'm the big guy. No. No. We need to training. Always train. Training all the way. Learn from each other. If James try, he listened to me. He said, hey, how do we get out? And then easy, right? Call yeah. the chopper. <laughs> I need attraction. And then we safety everybody. Anyways, get back to here where you are now. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, where we are right now is back to the book. The NVA focused heavily on the chopper, easing the pressure on ST Alabama. As they neared the Jolly Green, Black thought it felt like they were moving closer to the gates of hell itself. The NVA were pouring small arms fire and RPGs at the hovering ship while the door gunners and pilots intermittently fired the minigun M79s and M60s and the helicopter gunships and Sky, Raker, Sky Raiders made gun runs around it. Time was against them. The weather was beginning to close in. The smoke from previous airstrikes hung over the area for longer and longer periods of time before clearing enough for the next attack from the air. On the ground, the men of ST Alabama heard an NVA running through the bushes around them. Fortunately, the NVA failed to spot the spike team or the Air Force crewmen. Des desperate, Black had to move his team onto a trail so it could move to the hovering helicopter more quickly. As the team moved up the trail, the tail gunner was shaking violently and had turned a pasty white. Team members set Kwong down and proceeded to the aircraft. At the crest of the hill, they saw the helicopter taking hits and dealing out its own. The M60 was red hot. Black saw someone firing an M16 out of one of the windows. As Black moved to the chopper, the intensity of gunfire seemed to multiply. The air was so full of lead, he could see it. Fuel and bits of metal skin fell from the aircraft as they reached its underside. The jungle penetrator smashed to the ground next to him and raised three feet before he could put three team members on the first load. Grenier, the, F the Air Force 
flight engineer and a wounded ST Alabama team member were second were on the second hoist lift. The wounded Vietnamese became entangled in jungle vines and while was while he was being hoisted upward, the Air Force hoist operator had to stop the hoist, lower it, and give him enough time to untangle himself. When the hoist moved up toward the aircraft, the Vietnamese was not sitting in the seat but hanging on with assistance from Air Force Sergeant Casbeer. Despite the NVA gunfire, Black ran back to the bamboo thicket where he had left the remainder of the team. Kwong, the dying tail gunner, pointed his 45 caliber pistol at the advancing NVA and said, Toy Kiet, I die. Yes. He motioned Black to return to the helicopter before shooting himself. Black was running back to the ship when two NVA stepped onto the trail and pointed their AK-47s at him. Chu Hoi, one of the soldiers, shouted. Black stretched out his arms and continued walking towards them. When he was only a few feet away, he said, Chu Hoi. The young NVA soldiers appeared surprised. Before they could react, Black grabbed the AK-47s by their searing barrels and stripped them from their soldiers. He backhanded the soldier on his right and smashed the other soldier in the face with one of the weapons. He left the stunned soldiers lying there as he sprinted to the chopper where he found the praying 1-1. The rest of the team was on board firing any weapon they could get their hands on. As the jungle penetrator lift Black and the 1-1 upward, they were showered with hot spent casings from the M60 and other weapons being fired from inside the aircraft. The entire team fired out the windows and from the back door as the overloaded helicopter began to lift out of the jungle. Major Olson told Covey he was at maximum power. As the jolly green giant slowly rose, Black felt the ship making upward surges from B-40 rockets slamming into the armor-plated underside of the aircraft. It felt like it was a giant... It felt like a giant slugging the ship in the stomach, boosting it upward with each rocket blast. From his view above the fray, Watkins couldn't believe the bird kept flying. Somehow, the pilot got the jolly green giant out of there. Once clear of the jungle hole, the ship began its ascent out of the valley and the shadow of death. The door gunner removed his helmet and placed it on Black's head. The pilot told him, we're on our way home. Not quite. From above, Watkins saw the crippled ship catch fire and try to make and try to make it out of the killing zone. It crossed two ridgelines before descending into a clearing where it crash landed. Olsen had gotten them out of the killing zone, but JG-32 had flown its last rescue mission. Everyone except Black and the 1-1 were transferred to another Jolly Green Giant piloted by a Coast Guard exchange pilot, Lieutenant Commander Lonnie Mixon. Mixon took over 30 hits, picking up ST Alabama and others. After everyone... After everyone knew that Black, the remaining personnel from ST Alabama, and the Air Force survivors from JG-10 were cleared from the original target area, they hammered it with everything they had, including more napalm bombs and gun runs. Captain Hartness, the pilot of Watkins' FAC plane, was so mad at that he flew the O2 down into small arms range and fired his 2.7 millimeter rockets into the area where the NVA had knocked down JG-10. He and Watkins took a hit to the front and the d- engine died. Hartness somehow got the Skymaster O2 up out of the area and back to Fubai. There was no engine pressure when he landed. A Cobra gunship landed 
and opened the armament compartment doors which had seat belts attached to them. Black and the 1-1 buckled up and were soon airborne alongside the jolly green giant returning to Da Nang. They were flying so fast that Black had to turn his blood-stained face away in order to breathe. Within minutes, he was so cold he was shivering uncontrollably. The Cobra landed at a marine medevac site where the Americans were wrapped in poncho liners and helicoptered to Da Nang. At the Da Nang Infirmary, everyone was getting patched up. When Tho saw Black, he raised his right hand and a fist above his head. Chu Hoi Du Ma, he yelled. <laughs> Surrender, motherfuckers. <laughs> Man, that's a crazy mission. What do you think? Just another day in SOG? Absolutely. Yeah, Maybe it is. Another day, day in SOG. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And that was, I mean, that's one mission, but that was your life. That was your life. That's what you did every day. Or, or multiple times a month, over and over and over and over again. Over, 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 and over again. I mean, the, the casualty rate for SOG was, was uh, over 100%. Correct. So if you were going to SOG, you were going to get wounded probably more than once. You may be killed, obviously. I can't imagine that the survival rate for the Vietnamese that aren't going back to America, you're just staying in that job for years. I mean, their their survival rate must have been minuscule. For you to be standing here is crazy. Absolutely, it's a miracle. Actually, in our situation, that we have no choice. We have no choice. We gotta go forward. Okay, uh, Vietnam, Vietnam situation that. Vietnam War country. If I'm not joined to the army, I get back home, I cannot survive. I must go with the another unit, like infantry or local local uh, army. Mm-hmm. Why not we stay with the uh, shock? We got a lot of offering. We got a lot of money. Yeah, we got a you know the uh, a lot of power when we on go back to town. Mm-hmm. We got we <laughs> we wear the uh, NV, uh, NVA uniform. Nobody can touch it because we have it. Uh, you know the the, uh, the car employee of the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so nobody can touch whatever they cut. They want to touch it. We got an MP, military police there to protect us. And we got a gun in the front, we got a gun, uh, pistol in the back. Come on, whatever, 10 guy or 20 guy. <laughs> Have you watched it, a Rambo movie or something? We did like it, 100% like him. We got a claim on my here, we got to go somewhere. We pull over here, nobody know. But anything happen? Just walk around with a claymore mine on your chest. Right here. You want to play? Go ahead. Come on, please. <laughs> Even, you know, the uh, police station, <laughs> whatever they want to do with us, we join together with one team, three American and 
Now Vietnamese, we went together. Nobody can stop us. At the time Kwan was in jail, you had to go get him out of jail. Yes. <laughs> you had to break him out of jail? Yeah. Kwan got in jail. Did they, was, it a, was there resistance from the jail, or did they just let you guys take him when they realized who you guys were? No, we, we went there for free. It, <laughs> nobody can stop. <laughs> we, we, we went there, up in the air. Claymore's on your chest. Come on here, please. And those had a couple guys in their 60s. And, <laughs> car 15, we got a home kind of thing. They look in car 15, they say, hey, what the hell the gun is that, right? Yeah. Nobody know. And we got an AK-47. If they shoot up, Claymore might got to blow out. Yeah. So they let us do Kwong it for free. Kwong got out of jail. He got the get out of jail <laughs> free Claymore. So he could go on a mission on October 5th. God. And that's where he died. Yeah. That oh, so that, that's when you had to break him out oh, was before yeah. this mission. Before this mission, they broke him out of jail. Jeez. So oh, basically, so, so, so basically, you were in that job because you guys were the baddest motherfuckers in Vietnam and you did whatever you wanted to. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Even, you know, the strong guy... Hey, hey, Claymore beats a strong guy all day long. All day. <laughs> you know, I can count the, the piece up the, uh, the the inside. 555 piece. Ball bearings. Oh, the ball bearings <laughs> inside the Claymore. Yep. I can count. You know. <laughs> Sometimes we play, just play the game. Right. Put it out with C4 inside. We took out the uh, we took out the C4. Yeah, sometimes they take it out and cook their coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then yeah. we put it in here. Nobody knows. Did <laughs> <laughs> it real or the it fake? It's still science. Yeah, it's good good psychological yeah. operations. <laughs> when did you? Because uh, I know you ended up getting wounded badly in your leg. When did when did that happen? It uh, happened uh, August thirtieth, nineteen seventy one. And then what what happened? Did you get shot? I got shot. And how did you get out of the, how did you escape the situation? The, uh, we don't know underground, but the water in there, squam in there. And then we get out there. We're looking for, with the people experienced like me, we're looking for the high place and under the tree to stay there. And they wanted, they wanted uh, me to be PRW. That means they wanted to catch the team. They, the first thing that they want, the first thing like it, they want a shot like it, the uh, you Frenchman. You out there to get a PRW. They want to. Yes. They want me to do it. They want me to. They want. They want to catch me. But. We 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 will not let them do it. And but after that, they want but they want to catch the team. They they don't want to kill the team. Okay. They say surrender like a chihuahua. And then we answer the uh, by the cap fifteen. Here the chihuahua. But they very close to us. They got a bunker around there, and then they shoot the guy with the radio. Before they want to catch the team, they got to kill the radio man first. Okay. Like the Frenchman, he got the radio, 
they want to con- make the contact to the team, they got to kill the radio man first. And then my leg it next to the radio. I pull, I kick the radio out. <laughs> but they sh- shoot the radio, including my leg. Oh. And maybe two, three rounds into my leg, they, they shoot by RPD. I hear the sound, I know it, RPD. Sure. And then I pull out my leg. That time, we just get out there for 10 minutes. And team, I just report to uh, the Bingham. Bingham just report to the uh, COVID, say, team safety, team okay, and they can go home. Bingham was mm. the team leader. Yes. They can go home, Satan, Satan, Bingham. Yes. And then later on, they got a heat right away. And my friend, they carry me out the, uh, they go back, they go back, uh, they go back to the chopper, the chopper come back. But, you know, I got a uh, PRC uh, 68. Oh, later on. Uh, no, PRC 68, the radio. Mm-hmm. Emergency radio. The emergency radio. The, emergency. the PRC sixty eight. That was still around when I came in. Till really? yeah, it was it was getting phased out, getting replaced by the PRC one twenty five. But there was like one or two of them that you could go look in the, the radio the shop. Small one. Yeah, it's a small the one. The first one we got at no, the Oak Ten. Uh, Oak Ten, right? Yes. We got at Oak Ten. Oak Ten, we cannot talk, but PRC sixty eight, we can change the frequency to talk. Oh, okay. That they gotta develop the. The new thing. And then when I turn it on, you know, when I pull out the, they gotta pull, try to be pull out me to the LG. Mm-hmm. And then I pull it on and the, the uh, chopper coming back and shoot up to the enemy. And I turn over my leg, it, it really hurt, really pain. I throw my uh, PRC 68 away. I'm dropped somewhere. And then they, they thought I'm I'm dead because after ten minutes I cannot end uh, you know turn off turn off the PRC uh, twenty eight that means I am the one dead and they want to kill they want to blow out the PRC sixty eight they don't want PRC sixty eight to to the hand the enemy right. and and that's why I survive and. They, sh- they shoot around us by the rocket, by the missile, on kind of thing, and the NVA thought, you know, like at the the chopper know where they are. They move out. Oh, they, they, they were scared. They scanned it, they move it out. And I'm free. I'm not free, but you know, I, <laughs> yeah. got, a, I got a safety defi- uh, situation. And the chopper land out, picked me up, and the first chopper land down, I smell the gas. Because the enemy shoot up the chopper to the gas tank. I say, get out of the way. I, I cannot shoot because I shoot it. The, uh, the chopper Sparks. gotta burn it out. Mm-hmm. And I wave my hand, I say, go, 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 go. And I talk to hold the team, I say, don't shoot anything, don't shoot anything. And after that, you know, the uh, the pilot, they knew, you know, the gas spread out. 
and uh, they left. I don't know what uh, what happened with the chopper, but the second gun land down, pick me up. They take me to the ninety uh, fifth hospital, and then later on the day, I got inspection, and then the doctor cut off my leg. Mm. Oh. Only. 20 minutes on the ground. Only 20, 20 minutes when we land out. But I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm okay now. Yes. So then wh- what was it like as the war was over and America was leaving and the communists are taking over? I mean, you had to be kind of a marked man being this former you know, special operations guy that was working alongside the Americans, they must have wanted to find you. That's why I told you that we need a training. After I got wounded, I was sent to work with the American Embassy. Okay, so after you got wounded, you went to work at the American Embassy. Yes. Got it. My station at, uh, in Da Nang, at 52... But then, U.S. Consulate General one in Da Nang until to 1975. The date we lost Da Nang at uh, the end of the March 1975. With my experience with the uh, shock, we understand enemy situation. They fight from uh, north to the south. But I work in the Da Nang at the time. It, you know, the uh, the they want to take Da Nang. I move up to the south. I hit a lot of enemy. I contact a lot of you know like the security or police. What do you think? They move, they attack from the north to the south, but I'm from the south, move up to the north. They thought I'm, I'm their, their <laughs> friend. That's why I'm telling you that we need to train. Mm-hmm. So you did the opposite of what they thought you would do. Yes. You went from the south to the north. To the north. That means <laughs> I'm the people from the north. Uh. They not pay attention about the people from the south to the north. But if you move from the north to the south, they got a checkpoint. Where you go, mm-hmm. what is your name, where do you work? Everything they ask the question, but I'm from the north, from the south to the north. The reason that my father-in-law up the way, up the Fubai, Fubai camp, and then we stay there until to they took over the Saigon. We almost crazy. We don't know where to go. We don't un- understand situation. But my family in the Saigon and Dalat and uh, in Bin Hoa. And after they over to the South Vietnam, you know, I use it enemy paperwork. That means enemy ID card and, and enemy certificate that mean from, from the north. 
By the way, my relief, my uncle, my something relief, my nephew up the north going to the south to see me. That means when when the first thing we, 1954, we still have a, the people living in, in the north. Mm -hmm. And when they came down, they're looking for us. Because between Saigon and North Vietnam, it's very difficult, very difficult. And Saigon, it rich people. And, you know, knowledge people. But in North Vietnam, they only, you know, knowledge by the communism. They limit, limit it with the education. Mm -hmm. So when I when they came down when they came down to the south to see our family, they don't have nothing. But they still say, "Hey, we got a TV over the town. We got all kind of thing." But they have nothing. But at the time they ask for the money, they ask for the gold, they ask for the ring. That's why I learned from them too. So. I'm not stay only one place. Mm -hmm. Today I'm in San Jose. Tomorrow I'm down the <laughs> Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I gotta go Tennessee, and then I gotta go Washington D.C. I gotta go. You gotta keep moving. Keep moving. Keep the communists guessing. Yes, <laughs> and then I buy something. Everything in in the communist uh, uh, situation, government, it, everything it. Not free. Mm -hmm. Like it, I want to. Uh, I want to fish. I gotta go uh, down to see some Danang or somewhere. I buy the fish. I took from there back to Saigon to sell the super uh, black market. So I found out the way. By the way, I'm looking for the way to escape mm -hmm. from Vietnam. They give me some time of free because they know, they knew I was from the shockman, SOZ, for free. They invite us because they got a gun, but they don't know how to do. Oh, so they actually invited you? The communists invited you? No, the, the, uh, the people in the South Vietnam. Oh, South Vietnam. South they invited you to start yes. training them? No. To just do security for them? To do what? To if we see anything happen in overseas, I gotta shoot the Got communists. It. Yes. Got it. They gotta protect them. And then until to 1986, October, I successfully to come to uh, Malaysia. And how did you do that? My small boat. Small boat? Yes. And you had tried 14 times before that? The last time I did 15 times. I got a paperwork right there. And what is that? You tried to escape, so you tried to escape 14 times. You were successful on your 15th time. Yes. What were the other methods that you tried? Was it always by boat? By boat, yes. Always by boat? Always by, by boat. I, I, I thought I gotta, I gotta go, I can go by kitchen or whatever the... Uh, Laos, but my leg cannot mm -hmm. walk because I know where the way to go. Right. I know where the way to go, but you know my leg 
go west, but you couldn't walk. No, yes. And then what happened once you got to Malaysia? I'd be there for uh, wait for the uh, UN. I mean, uh, uh, I stay there. I see the uh, American delegation, mm-hmm. and they come to uh, interview me. So they say, and then they take me to the uh, to come to the United States. How, how do they go? How do they confirm who you are? I have nothing, but you know they got a special interview from the people from. Uh, from the U.S., I mean GVA, they mean Joint Volunteer Agency. When I came there, I have nothing. But they asked me, and I talk my history. Mm-hmm. They go back here, they go back state to check up. Right. And after one month, they say, "Hey, you come U.S." So they did that pretty fast. Wow. Yes. Because they asked me, they got a you know group like the looking for the uh, for the POW or whatever MIA. Right. They asked me the question, do I know any American uh, mission in action or POW? I said yes, I did. I talked uh, poking, uh, can cry, James Stry. These are all people on mm-hmm. our teams that got killed. They got killed. The two other Americans on Alaska when it got wiped out, when Jim, when Alan survived, mm-hmm. the two Americans were crying in pain. I only re- I only remember with three, but they asked me, uh, "Do you know where the uh, location?" I said, "Yes, I did." Sure. And they tried to bring me back to the Vietnam to tell them, but uh, they could. Because the time I stayed there for six months for waiting to come back to Vietnam, but I don't know why they sent me to the Philippines for education training. And what what kind of education training? For learning, was that? learning, you know, like for orientation mm-hmm. for how the uh, American life, mm-hmm. and in there for six months. I came over here in San Francisco. And then what was it like when you landed in San Francisco? 1988 something. 1988? Yes. What'd you do when you landed? Did you have any family here? Yes, I got it, uh, my sister in in San Jose. And had she escaped from Vietnam? Yes. Already? Yes, 1975. And how did she escape? Oh, uh, by, uh, because some, she got a husband like the uh, the Vietnamese pilot, and they out of Vietnam by the way, you know the uh, her husband. Wow. So what did you do when you st- when you landed? Did you have to start get a job, and I mean you couldn't strap a claymore to your chest anymore and walk <laughs> around town taking what you wanted. <laughs> My sister, she be here like at the uh, 75, and then she got like a few gas station, five gas station, a Chevron, a Shell, Echo, and then I, got, I when I came, 
I worked for her, like a family job, mm -hmm. until I got, you know, like a, uh, I got stroke. Fifteen years ago. Yeah, fifteen years, seventeen years ago, I got stroke, and then had no more, no more job, mm. no more work. Yeah, that happened. We all thought, Cowboy Finney will never see Cowboy again. We all heard that. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't think there's anything that can kill Cowboy at this point. Cowboy's gonna live forever. So he has a struggle. It was a bad stroke, but yet he's back. My mouth, you know, over here, and I cannot move. But now I'm still okay. But another problem with Orange Agent Orange. I got a kidney problem. I got dialysis. Mm -hmm. Now at home. And you manage somehow to have kids during all this. You have children. Yes, I do. And how I many children do you have? Totally 10. <laughs> do you believe it? I, 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 don't, I don't, I believe anything that you tell me. But three, three dead in the Vietnam. Okay, so you lost three kids in Vietnam. Yes, because when the newborn, they don't have, you know, any food. They don't have any uh, like the energy to to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Three dead, and then when I escaped with the two of my son came over here with me, my wife at the time was still back in the Vietnam, and then I do my paperwork. All my family here right now. I got five son and two girls. In here with me, in the United States with me. Oh, beautiful. One of the uh, Texas, one of the North Carolina, and three in here with me, and two of my girls, one in here with me, and another one that the, uh, I, I believe, Louisiana. Yeah. And then I have a 16, no, 11 grandchildren. 11 grandchildren. Yes. Wow. 11 little cowboys out little, there. 11 little cowboys. <laughs> so you are going to live forever. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I try my best. I try my best. <laughs> I cannot tell uh, whatever, you know, like it. Uh, when I got shocked, my, uh, my, uh, my wife say, call 911. I say, hey, don't do it. And then my son say, call 911. I say, don't do it. Let me stay. I cannot sit. I cannot lie down. This is when you had your stroke? Yes. You said don't call 911. Yeah, no. You didn't want to call a Prairie Fire Emergency on that situation? Uh, uh, no, I called Chopper. Call <laughs> KB. <laughs> and, you know, I pull, I, because I have a training when, when I was young, I have a training Kung Fu. I got a training, training yoga. Mm -hmm. And I keep, you know, I keep my body at, you know, free. Mm -hmm. I keep my mind going. And later about hour, I back to normal. Not normal. That time, you know, we cannot, we can, we can use it. You know, medication. I say, okay, now call nine one one. Take me to the doctor. But the time for emergency, I learned from my father. He crying when I lost my leg. He say, he told me why. I'm not using the herb. 
you know hope, right? Hope. 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 Yeah. Medication. Hope is the medication. Yes. Not you know used by the American way medication like take pill mm-hmm. or get shot. That's no good. So that's why I'm say don't call nine one one. Wow. And then I survival right now. You see it. I got a lot of trouble. I know it affect by the war. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it make me depressed. I got a, a lot of medication. And you know, they spread everything in the Vietnam. Uh, Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. We came down there. You know that we were shocked with the water. But we pull out the rock, the water in there, we take it out, drink. Mm-hmm. That's why I got a trauma with my ace right now. Because of the Agent Orange. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know. Uh, we've been going for two and a half hours. No. Uh, till what no, do we, we what do we miss? What do we did I miss anything? Well, the only thing we miss would be if we if you want to talk about the day he was with the Frenchman, that historic day when the Frenchman got shot in the back four times. Yeah. If you remember that. Okay, so one month later, you guys are on another mission, and I'm going I'm going back into across the fence. Here we go. Later in the afternoon, Childress signaled to the team to pull their Claymore mines and prepare to move out. Due to the combined weight of the rucksack and web gear, Letourneau, this is the Frenchman, moved to his knees and slung his rucksack on his back. Just as it landed on his back, AK-47s opened fire. Letourneau was slammed to the ground face first. Face first, the impact so severe he had thought he had broken his nose. Startled, Letourneau jumped up with his car 15 pointing it toward the AK-47 gunfire that was near the front of the team. Surprised that there were no NVA near him, Letourneau removed the rucksack to discover that four AK-47 rounds had ripped through the 23-pound PRC-25. He reached into an especially tailored pocket on his fatigue shirt, which was sewn with vertical zippers, one on the left of his shirt, one on the right side, between the top and bottom of the pockets on his shirt, and pulled out his URC-10 emergency radio and broadcast a general alert for any aircraft in the area. ST Virginia was declaring a prairie fire emergency. Then there was a sudden complete silence, eerie silent. Amazed at the quietude, Letourneau walked to Childress, who asked him what he had done with the PRC-25. Letourneau explained that four rounds had ripped through the radio and that it was probably useless. Get the fucking radio, Childress yelled. What if it's working? We leave it behind for those assholes to use. Stunned, Letourneau went back, picked up the rucksack, and walked to Childress, who grabbed the handset as NVA troops began firing at ST Virginia and yelled into the radio, we have a fucking prairie fire emergency. Get us the fuck out of here or I promise we'll I'll kick your ass all the way back to Saigon. As the firefight raged on, the remainder of the team was lying down on the ground, the firing at the NVA while Childress and Letourneau continued to argue while standing up, oblivious to the AK-47 rounds cracking over their heads. Letourneau yelled back at Childress, it won't work, while pointing to the PRC-25 radio where the antenna had been shot off. No antenna, no commo. Letourneau grabbed a spare whip antenna and handed it to Childress, who screwed it into the radio. This time, Childress screamed in the radio, We need an exfil now. I'm declaring a prairie fire emergency. Is anyone out there? Within a second or two, there was a response. 
Calm down, Childress. I realize you're under fire, said a Covey rider. Just at that moment, several AK-47, AK-47s opened fire from the wood line near the log where Letourneau had been unceremoniously slammed onto his face. Lap and Cowboy returned fire. Covey rider continued. We heard your team declare a prairie, riot, prairie fire emergency on guard frequency, and I've rallied the cavalry. What's your mark? Do you have an LZ in sight? Before Childress said a word into the radio, he turned to Letourneau and said, See, it works. Suppose we had left it for the NVA. Never, I say again, never ever leave behind a radio. As if to emphasize that point, the NVA opened fire again as Lap began looking for an LZ while moving the team down the hill away from the most concentrated NVA gunfire. Cutting Letourneau no slack, Childress roared, Tell Covey we'll give him five we'll give him a fix in five minutes. We'll probably need strings to get out of here. I doubt we can make it down to the valley where a King Bee can pick us up. Without missing a beat, Letourneau, who for the first time felt four burning stings in his back, repeated those words to Covey while he and Cowboy began providing cover fire as the tail element of the team. Letourneau, then Letourneau nodded to Cowboy, who ignited several Claymore mines that the team had set out on its perimeter. Those mines only slowed the NVA for a few seconds. Before the dust and debris from the blast had settled, NVA soldiers were moving through it toward Cowboy and Letourneau. Without saying a word, the two men took turns firing at the enemy while moving downhill. Rotating around each other, Cowboy would fire several bursts from his car 15 and then reload. As he reloaded, Letourneau would open fire, providing covering fire for the team. During one short lull, Cowboy even planted a Claymore mine in the direction of the advancing NVA and Letourneau dug out another Claymore from his rucksack and placed a 10-second delayed fuse on it. When the NVA advanced again, Cowboy ignited his Claymore mine. The NVA moved towards the team again. Letourneau ignited his fuse and ran down the hill with Cowboy to catch up to their team. Before they reached the team, two B-40 anti-personnel rockets slammed into the trees above them, showering them with shrapnel. A few more exploded as Letourneau and Cowboy moved down the hill. Then the 10-second fuse ignited another Claymore. It brought pet precious time for the gun-run team of Letourneau and Cowboy to turn to cover ground and catch up to the remainder of ST Virginia. As Childress called in airstrikes, Letourneau reflected on how surreal the firefight had been. It wasn't anything like he had witnessed on television or in any movie. Instead of men charging each other and killing each other in plain sight, here in Triple Canopy Jungle, he observed green tracers from AK-47s first, or at the most, an enemy hand or foot. And somehow the NVA found firing lanes where they could launch shoulder-held B-40 anti-personnel rockets that slammed above them and around them as they raced down the hill. Again, the voices of his special forces instructors echoed in his mind. They had told the young aspiring Green Berets at Fort Bragg that the NVA was a tough, resilient opponent. Many had fought against the Japanese during World War II and against the French driving them from Vietnam in 1954. The sounds of king bees in the distance and the crashing thunder of B-40 rockets slamming into trees above his head shook Letourneau out of his moment of introspection and turned his undivided attention to the crescendo of AK-47 fire from the enemy. ST Virginia responded with a volley, with volley after volley of full and semi-automatic gunfire while Letourneau and Cho fired several M79 rocket rounds toward the densest section of jungle where the AK-47 gunfire was emanating. Through the gunfire, someone popped a smoke grenade which brought the King Bees closer to RT Virginia's location in the jungle. 
Over the din of gunfire, Childress and Cowboy told everyone to put on their Swiss seats and prepare for string extraction. In short order, a King Bee was hovering over ST Virginia more than 125 feet above the jungle floor. Letourneau, Cowboy, Cho, and Hawn hooked their D-rings into the old McGuire rig that hung from the end of the ropes and shortly were being lifted out of the jungle. As the quartet of recon men was being lifted into the air, the NVA released another salvo of AK-47 and B-40 rockets. Shrapnel from the rockets hit them with varying degrees of size and velocity. All of them were wounded. It was during these explosions that Letourneau realized his car 15 had somehow become caught in the rope above him just far enough away that he couldn't reach it. He pulled out his M79 and launched a grenade toward the NVA positions. Now all he could see of the enemy were hundreds of muzzle blasts from AK-47s and green tracer rounds climbing upward toward the quartet of ST Virginia men. Before he could reload his M79, the King Bee began to move away from the target area, surprising him because the men had not cleared the jungle yet. Instead of continuing to climb out of the target, moving straight up until the men cleared the jungle's triple canopy of trees and vegetation, the King Bee was moving away from the target area due to the heavy enemy ground fire. In recent months, at least two King Bees were shot down during the string extractions from hot targets, but these facts were unknown to Letourneau at the time. Shrapnel from B-40 rockets exploded around the ST Virginia men, stringing them with pieces of hot metal, stinging them with pieces of hot metal, further spooking the King Bee crew. Letourneau began to violently collide with the tall jungle trees. Feeling like a metal ball in a pinball machine, Letourneau carooned off several more trees. At least one more B-40 exploded in the treetops, again showering him with shrapnel. A tree branch hit Letourneau from one side and turned him upside down in his Swiss seat in his Swiss seat. As the rope seat began to slip down his hips, Letourneau remembered Spider telling how a 1-0 from another team had recently shot out of, been shot out of his Swiss seat during a rope extraction. Another tree struck Letourneau before he was able to muster the surge of strength and momentum to reach up and grab the rope above him as his body finally cleared the treetops. The only thing between him and certain death below was the jungle floor 200 feet below was the single piece of rope tied into the king bee. With one final urgent pull, Letourneau was able to move himself upright in the Swiss seat as the king bee continued to climb higher into the sky, distancing itself from the fury of exploding B-40s and AK-47 gunfire while gaining airspeed. <sighs> well, there you go. And, and Cowboy was there for that, and had he was still recovering from the wounds from October fifth. Here he is around Thanksgiving. So, yeah, so a month and a half later, yeah. after your October fifth insanity, you're out there again. <laughs> almost healed. Almost healed. Yeah, almost healed. Because the uh, tree up, uh, damn Juan. Yeah. Uh, no. And another one that shared my village. And they want me to go with them. Oh, so they they were yes. from your village and they wanted you to go and help uh, them? Go help Virginia. them. Yeah. And then, uh, by the way, the new man. Black? Uh, no, the uh, Frenchman. Oh, because oh, was, was this the Frenchman's first mission? Yeah, the mission. first mission. We, we, don't trust, we don't trust how he learning. Right. So that's why we got to go strong enough to protect him sure and by the child child he is very good perfect he he perfect man but he only one 
and then uh, Frenchman hit a new guy. <laughs> we don't know about him, but you know. You know, one zero had run several missions. Yes, one zero. It it so they, he, mm-hmm. they got an experience. I don't want you know the uh, Frenchman like James Stride. James Stride, the first mission, mm-hmm. he's going, <laughs> and the first mission it easy to go. That's why you know I'm volunteer to go with the Virginia to take care of my uh, my three friends, send my village, and by the way that the Frenchman hit a very new man, so <laughs> that's why yes, Baby Shan. That we call him Baby Shan. We did okay, but he perfect. Yeah, but he good. He training good. Did you train how to kill the dogs? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, we we worry like at the machine. Yes. When I shoot something, he he knew I run out of ammo. He covered me, mm-hmm. and when he run out the machine, uh, the ammo, I cover him. So, I I can adjust it. He like at the number two. Yes. <laughs> he number two. We count the first time. Later on, you know, I I know he ran a lot of mission. Thirteen. Yes, I know about it. I know he ran a lot of mission, but sure. that's why he's uh, he's still survivor. But I, that makes you all the more amazing. Yeah, because he did thirteen a and, and a half. <laughs> only month and a half. Yeah, you go from October fifth to this I, mission. Yeah, that's part of your almost hill with my scar. Almost hill, not not really hill. Almost hill. Well, you got new shrapnel too. Yes. You got just new shrapnel wounds from that. But in order, you know, to become like you and me right now, I cannot, you know, leave you alone. Right. I gotta go with you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Become we close friend, very close friend. Well, that's that's what it's all about, and it's uh it's amazing to be able to sit here and talk to you. I can't believe that I'm sitting here and talking to you. Uh, I can't believe that you survived one of those missions. Never mind, six years. yeah, six years of those missions. I thought just normal. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not just normal. normal. Like somebody else. <laughs> no, that's no one we else doing there, that. We got pay, yeah. right? And then we got a bonus if we do the good thing. Like if we have a uh, camera. Yeah, do you remember how much you got paid? One picture, that five hundred dollar. Oh no, five hundred piastres. How much is a piastre worth? Uh, like it depends uh, what time of day it is. Maybe a dollar. So you go and do these missions no, for a dollar. Like You're a, a cheap date. Like a five dollar. <laughs> like five dollar for a picture. Yeah. Okay. And then for a recon picture. We can learn a lot from the shop. Like uh, you remember, sometimes we got a radio, small radio. Right. We get in the jungle, we throw it, and then uh, some special camera, and we throw in the jungle, and we learn a lot. We put in the sensors too. Yes, and a sensor. Cameras and sensors. And camera and sensor and radio. You 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 gotta ask me why. You throw the radio into the younger, right? Right. I never knew about that, so this yeah. is all top secret. It's still okay. Top secret. Mm. Even I didn't. Even Tilt didn't know. Then you <laughs> that, know it's top secret. That, yeah. another, another system, another system from the uh, 
from the uh, from the department, but we don't know or whatever. Do I have authority to speak in that? The radio we throw in the jungle. That's mean you gotta have a question. If the communists pick up the radio, who's the one to use it? That squad leader, a platoon leader, or a company leader? They blow up. No, they not blow up. Inside the radio, they got something. When they order anything, mm-hmm. airplane, mm, know what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Now we 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 learn from them a lot. Yeah, we learn from we learn we learn from them a lot. You see it? Or uh, like at the uh, flashlight? Yes. We throw the jungle. Nobody know. And when we training to throw the flashlight in the jungle, the first question that they ask me: If you see the uh, flashlight in the jungle. Do you pick it up? I'm gonna say no. You say no. It you know pass the test. You should ch- you should pick it up. But the NVA might pick it up. Yeah, NVA gotta pick it up. Oh, they're gonna pick it up. But yeah, I'm saying I wouldn't pick it pick up, it up because you'd have that thing booby trapped you, or something. Because <laughs> you you thought it you thought it 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 important thing, just normal thing. Okay, the first question they ask you. You see the flashlight in the jungle. Do you pick it up? You say no. That means something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I say yes. Why not? And I pick it up. And the second question: What, what do you do with the uh, flashlight when you pick it up? Turn it on. Turn it on. You fail the test <laughs> because it might in there. How do you know? When you turn it on, it blows up. Blows up. <clears throat> so many, so many learning from. Uh, I I don't know how to tell you, but you know. You did a pretty good job. Yeah, I gotta learn a lot. I got to learning a lot. Okay, team moving. Three NVA that followed you. Enemy followed you. The first question that. You want a three enemy dead, or you want a three three enemy wounded? If I answer the three enemy dead, you go home. Mm-hmm. You cannot run recon anymore. You want POWs? I want a three guy, at least one guy, the wounded. Why? Because the team still on the mission. The wounded, another another NVA got to take care of them, right? Mm-hmm. So that delay the time that they follow the team. And if you get a POW, you get a bonus. Yeah, if we a lot of piastres for a yes. for a POW. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. POW a lot. Yeah, buku like the like a hundred thousand something. Yeah, hundred hundred thousand piastres. Yeah, we only got a hundred dollars, so I don't know what you would get. I didn't hear about that, so I don't. <laughs> the reason that we got a bonus, but now I found that bonus before that, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know. 
just exactly just empty. I don't know anything about it. But we learn. We learn from him. We learn from you. We learn from him. We learn a lot. Every every different guy. We learn from got, you. We talk back. And yes, forth. like it, I learn from him. He learn from me. So we we sit down. We show our experience. Like I told you, if I show the enemy in the jungle, I kill him. It easy. But in order to complete my duty. I gotta stay on the ground about five days. That's why I'm not killed the uh, mm-hmm. enemy. I just stay there. And they they test you how smart to handle the uh, the thing happen. That's why I wanna become you know the uh, recon team. It's very difficult, but especially the first thing is protect this guy, <laughs> protect American guy. The first, the first choice, protect American guy. But we understand that we was recruited to refuse the American came to the Vietnam. That's why I can t- tell you that I am so lucky. I'm not good, but you know, just normal. Just bring everything is normal, better, better than for me. <laughs> Well, you're definitely uh, you're definitely lucky, and I can tell from everything I've seen, you're damn good too. That's perfect, That's perfect, very <laughs> lucky. Yeah, amazing. It's just an amazing uh, story to sit here and and talk to you and and get this information and um, you know get other people to be able to hear this story is just it's awesome. Indeed. Do you, you got anything else to tell? No, this is it. This has been a great ride, and thank you for bringing us together. This is really a special day. It's awesome. You, you got anything else, Con? Thank, thank you to invite me to be here today. But, uh, our country situation right now, I'm very sad. I can tell you my dad, Gotta die by the socialism. My father dead because you know he he the capitalist. He not very rich man, but he middle guy. He middle in the Vietnam. But the communism, it no good at all. Please send a message to the people. Don't trust the communism. That's all I can say. That we here we safety, but after the uh, the vote for president situation right now, I am sad to let the. Uh, at my knowledge, I don't know it true or not, but another hand from the communist room to the United States of America. I be here for ADA for 32 years. I never never get back to the country. I never visit the Vietnam. Even I want to go back there, but for the funerals. Yeah, for the uh, from our friend is still back in the Vietnam. But the Vietnamese government will let me get in. 
if you don't trust me, I got a paperwork in here. We trust you. Yes. We do. That, I work with the uh, General Smith, who's the uh, MIA accounting. His came he his came in the uh, Hawaii Smith Camp Smith. This is several years ago, right? No, it not like it the uh, fifteen twenty years ago. Okay. I worked with him regarding about uh, our people. Yes. Yes. Can cry Robinson and Hokai the you know like the helicopter. Yes, try. But. They won't let me get get there. I have met family with the uh, our friend Poking Poking. I'm I'm pick pick up the name the po King right now because a oh, Paul King. Yeah, Poking. Yes, because we have the Poking. Just King and crying over KIA mm -hmm. in Alaska when John Allen well, I can, I can tell you, I think one of the reasons that you start seeing um, these things in America is people don't understand communism and they don't realize exactly. how evil it is. And so you coming on here and, and sharing your story and explaining what you went through, what your father went through, what your family went through at the hands of the communists, I can assure you that there are... Look, there might be some Americans that don't understand, but there are plenty of Americans that do understand, and we will never let that evil form of government control take over this country. It, it will never happen. I believe so. I believe so. But in my side, I hear, you know, the communists want to took over the uh, the... Uh, U.S. because they mess up, you know, the voter. They mess up the computer, vote for the uh, president term. Mm -hmm. It turned over to uh, Mr. Joe Biden. I heard a lot of information, so I scan it. I want to buy a boat, another boat now, if I got the money. <laughs> In order to happen, you know, I escaped from United States. You're not going to need another boat to escape from United States. We will make sure that doesn't happen. And America is stronger than one person, and and our roots are deep, and we will stay a free country. And because of men like you, we're we're able to be here today. Absolutely. How how they mess up the country right now? The Department of Defense, Mister Expert, the fire. And a lot of men get fired. They end up cover to another country. Mm. Why? You say very strong, but we gotta take care. We gotta be careful with it. Remember, communism control the people by food. You don't have a food, you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. That's what they control the people in China, they con control the uh, Cuba, they control the North Korea. You're outside the con them, their country, you see, hey, hey, look good, look good, look good, but inside the country. No good. It no good. They say, you want it food? You're gonna do it. They want it. Water, 
you do it. Do you want a fish? One month for two or three fish? You gotta do it. Mm -hmm. I give you the paperwork to go buy from the store. It's not free. Like here, United States people, you want anything, you have everything. You can but work. In there, you want anything, you gotta listen and obey me. What to do? Trust me about the, uh, the way it is. You say, very strong country, no. You see it? It no COVID. How the government say, you need to take a mask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thinking about listen, why, you know, meet an expert, he commander with the uh, United States Army, he got fired. And another tree got fired too. Hmm. Okay, I'm looking back. I, I I asked you the question. American don't lose anything, right? But why we still get out of Vietnam? Why we lose Vietnam? You politics. told me politics. Because now it's politics. But with my experience, the politics they can control, you know, the hero guy like you, like me. Mm -hmm. And then we trust them. We're gonna die. Like at the, uh, the time at, you know, meet the Obama, you see the, uh, do you see the picture of Marine in the boat, surrender yeah. with the, what do you think? Oh, that was not a good situation at all. But why? Why we still have a picture? Because the people back in the Washington, mm -hmm. like uh, Mr. Trump, they can't do anything. We're a soldier. We gotta do, and we gotta follow with the order. But they order us to come to die. So I'm not a political guy. I'm you know retired man, seventy-two years old. I can't do anything. I can make any money, but I afraid of my children, my grandchild, grow up, living under communism. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good point, and I appreciate that point. You know, I'm sitting here, sitting here saying, "Oh, America's strong," but your point is, we can't get arrogant and think that it can't happen to us. We have to remain vigilant all the time. Yes, sir. Trust but verify. Indeed. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, well, once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your stories. You're always welcome here. Uh, both you guys, obviously, are always welcome here. Khan, thanks for coming and sharing your story. And, and thank you, more importantly, for your service to your country, to this country, to defend freedom and democracy in the world. And thank you for taking care of your big American brothers on the battlefield and, and your Vietnamese brothers as, as, as well. And, and thank you for you and your family's sacrifice on the altar of freedom. Thank you, sir. Thank, thank you. you. Amen. And with that, Tilt and Cowboy Khan have left the building, leaving nothing but respect and admiration for incredible service, incredible men, and everything that they've gone to. 
everything they've gone through. Echo Charles, you were sitting in the corner. Yes. We didn't have room for you at the table. That's okay. Pretty pretty insane, right? Yes. Very much so. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit different when I'm like ex not excluded, oh, you, but ex not in on the were, table you or whatever. Were detached. Detached, yeah. I'm detached even more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is interesting. You can sort of see and imagine really kind of what's going on and what like everyone went through and how it was being like in a different culture, mm-hmm. you know, and with military and stuff. And then you kind of compare it to all the people that have come on and, and shared their story. Yeah, very interesting. The crazy thing is though, all those back to back to back to back to back years of doing these missions. I mean, the SOG guys could barely get out of there alive. Yeah. And here's, there's no getting out. Okay, so there's this part. This might seem kind of random, but there's a part of that I remembered where he, he said that he could smell. They could smell. Yeah, yeah. He kind of opened up with that, yeah. Yeah. So, and I was thinking about it where it's like, yeah, I, I see how that could be, really. When you're so used to a certain environment, you can tell just little differences. Like... 100%, man. So, uh, you ever... Here's an example. Like when you're at home, right? And... If someone just came over and just left, mm-hmm. you come in. I don't even know if you can smell them, but it probably has something to do with smell. Oh, you can definitely smell. But you know how you can, but put it this way. That's what I thought too. That you could smell them, but I can't smell something specific. I know it just smells different. Mm-hmm. You know that feeling. So it's it it almost does feel like a little bit of a sense. You know. Mm-hmm. So imagine that, like, or like you know how like you're your furniture will be moved just a little bit yeah. and you walk in like, I, you know, I have a little home office, whatever. And mm-hmm. there's this couch. And when I put it in there, it, it was, it's the perfect, like I painstakingly put it a certain distance from the, the there's a TV in there too. Mm-hmm. And so, so in your, in your home office, you have a couch and a TV. Yes. <laughs> just, and some other cool. stuff. That's cool. Hey man, I make videos. Got it. You okay. know, good, good point. Anyway. So, one time I was fixing something underneath the couch and I just, you know, I had to apparently move it just a little bit and just didn't think about it. And then when I walked in like later that night or whatever, I was like immediately felt it. It was, it was off by like literally one inch, mm-hmm. literally. And I could feel it. I looked at it. It was like threw me off, you know? So that's kind of the kind of stuff he was thinking. Yeah. And those guys growing up in the jungle. They grow up in the jungle, oh, yeah, and so true. they're just a hundred percent in tune with it. Yep. And then you got the big gringos coming in, you know. Good. And Tilt, he kept calling himself a city slicker. <laughs> amazing, yeah. amazing guys. Well, when I hear stories like that, it certainly makes me feel like like we can step up our game. Like I can definitely step up my game. Like I can do better. Do better. Always training, like Cowboys. Oh said. man, Cowboys! And you know what? I don't know if we captured it because we were talking before we pressed record, but he started getting really into training. You know, mm. just like how well how well they trained. Yeah, and and he did mention it a bunch. You know, he did mention it a bunch, but he he gave kind of the foundational part about training before we pressed record. You mm. know, like the foundational how much it meant. So he kept saying mm. it, and he really reiterated it, especially at the end. You know, he was reiterating it, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's no doubt. Always got to train. Always got to be prepared. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Train harder. Yeah, kind of applies to everything too. Even if you don't necessarily want to think of it in terms of like, oh, there's an enemy out there, you know, literally. Mm -hmm. 
or even figuratively if you if you don't necessarily want to think about that part of it all the time it's it has to do with capability because enemy that can be anything if you want to go metaphoric uh, i'm i'm you're, you're preaching the wrong guy here i'm down with but all the metaphoric of it. All and of the, the real <laughs> enemy okay. all well let's face it if you have a let's say you're bringing home a you know those big water jugs five gallon water mm, jugs yeah you put in a water cooler or whatever yeah. let's say you're bringing some of those home okay and let's say you don't have a lift gate on your truck or you you just have a car you have a car you put it's in the back seat mm-hmm. and now you got to reach in there and you got to grab it at this awkward angle see mm-hmm. what i'm saying that in That's, and of itself could be an enemy yeah never mind the nva storming your position yeah, more important could yeah. be a water bottle I'm just scenario. Saying, the chances of an NBA storming your position today a <laughs> little bit lower than you grabbing a water jug. Maybe I don't okay. know. I don't know. Everyone's different. I get it. Nonetheless, <laughs> the point still remains. Look, we're trying to keep ourselves capable. We're trying to train. We want to keep training, regardless of how often you are. What's performing mm-hmm. perform we'll call it a performance. well you are actually are performing all the time yeah. is another way of thinking of things and performing and training all the time because you gotta learn from your performance right see what i'm saying it's like a yeah. one of those deals <laughs> yeah anyway all right we're doing it um through training comes beatings comes breakdowns more or less, mm-hmm. most of the time. Actually, just, all the time. Sometimes I just gotta leave you to figure it out. Like oh, yeah. those statements right there. Always, where you, I always. can tell you're, maybe you threw it out there as if you'd get some support, no, but then I, it didn't come. <laughs> I do do that sometimes, but this was not one of those times. <laughs> check. Anyway, when we build ourselves back up, the benefits of training, sometimes we get little nagging things in our joints or other places, whatever. We don't want to worry about that kind of stuff. So Jocko has joint warfare, super krill oil. These th- these are supplements, supplementation for your joints. Okay. So the whole line is called Jocko Fuel. So with that, Jocko Fuel for your joints has, like I said, joint warfare, super krill oil. We also have for your brain and body, by the way, is a, I don't want to call it a product, even though it is a product. Okay. I'm going to call it a product. We have a product. Nah, don't call it a product. All right. See, okay. You feel me then? Uh, yeah. well, well, a thing. Like a, yeah. That's been, we have a thing called a substance. Discipline. Right. So it's discipline. You can take this form of supplementation in actually in a few forms. So you got the powdered version, mix it with water. Mm-hmm. That's what I did here today. Yes, sir. Pill. Don't mix it with water. Just swallow it. Just Boom. swallow it. Maybe with some water or whatever. Quick hitter quick hitter or in the cans kind of like an energy drink if you will except for one that's literally good for you actually healthy actually healthy yeah so yes so real energy yes not fit you know what else gives you energy cocaine apparently (laughs) (laughs) right uh, that's what i heard apparently cocaine gives you energy makes you feel like hey i'm gonna go and work hard right now energetic or crystal methamphetamine apparently that gives you energy too a little bit different but yeah yeah, now you don't go around saying hey you should oh you need some energy do some cocaine we're not doing that it's unhealthy it's bad for you we'll say it's unhealthy yeah sure there's other the category that you just used quote energy drinks which are in the same realm 
potentially. <laughs> not quite, but. Okay, maybe not I under- quite. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, though, fully. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of times when energy drink, you're like, hey, let's d- let's drink all, like two, three, four, five energy drinks. You're going to be like, mm, I don't know about all that. Shouldn't we not be drinking energy <laughs> drinks? It's kind of you have that feeling a lot of the yes. time. Yes. You see what I'm saying? But Discipline Go in the can may even actually might even kind of look like an energy drink it doesn't it's just not like that yeah. it's this is the actual healthy thing is what real I'm energy because that's what i was gonna say because cocaine that's not real energy well it depends on what you mean by real and it depends on what you mean by energy okay i mean in the spirit of we'll fairness have to get, we'll have to get some uh some somebody with some expertise in cocaine in here to discuss and energy <laughs> and energy drinks yeah. nonetheless Jack. you know what i'm saying healthy energy okay, drink so don't do it. cocaine yes instead don't. Correct. Try discipline going to can. All the zing, okay. none okay. of the be- negative benefits. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dude, do you remember what I what, No, not I'm, all the zing. No, the check it out. I brought, I was on Theo Vaughn's podcast. Sure, hell yeah. And he was drinking uh, discipline go, and he said something really funny. He said, and he just kind of slid under the radar comment. Mm hmm. But he said something comparing it to cocaine, and he said, "Actually, I'm, I think I'm going back on a cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think that's what's in my brain right now. Yeah, that's weird because I don't like I don't pound well. I have, I won't like drink the whole thing super fast. But then, actually, that's not true. I have, but mm-hmm. when you drink it super fast, then yeah, I think you'll get a like a little jolt. Yeah, well, super fast meaning how like long? You, when you down it, like in three. Four or less hits. Oh, that's a that's definitely you're Down gonna feel that one for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, for sure. But no, if I do, if I drink like two over the course of a podcast, uh-huh. like I will not feel like what I imagine cocaine feels like. Yeah, I've never done cocaine. Yeah, that's me neither. Nonetheless, it's not cocaine. It's good for you. Yeah, it's it, uh, crystal methamphetamine and cocaine are not good for you. Are unhealthy. Yes. Jocko Desmond go is good for you okay well, <laughs> i think that's what we're trying to say over here all right yes it's true also Jack. speaking of good for you uh vitamin d3 yeah jocko fuel very good for you keep you healthy immune system strong mm. also immune system strong stuff cold war is yeah. another one so yep. boom you got the whole gambit yeah what's gambit right that's correct that's good good usage gambit, word the usage whole, the approved whole deal. yeah yeah um of stuff you know for, for that kind of stuff stuff you don't want to worry about see what i'm saying yeah plus we got milk we got warrior kid milk which is protein that tastes good plus we got jocko white tea and plus all the stuff that we're talking about you can get it at originmain.com or you can get it at the vitamin shop or you can get it at wawa, wawa. in florida, florida right now and it looks like very soon wawa all over the East Coast. It looks like we're heading in that direction. Yeah. So everyone that's been, oh, by the way, everyone that in Florida has been going out and basically getting after it, clearing shelves. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, we're heading in the right direction. Beach he- be- the beach head is under the process of being secured at this time, Very which good. we feel good about. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, yes, so you, you mentioned originmain.com. At, or back to originmain.com, this is what you, where you can get American-made stuff, including but not limited to Jiu-Jitsu geese, rash guards, some hoodies on there, some joggers on there, some shorts on there, which I don't I haven't been talking about. Mm. But they're, aside from board shorts, they're the only shorts I wear. But you don't really wear board shorts. 
very oh. often. Oh yes, I do. Oh, in the on the mats of justice. Mats of justice. Pool. Uh, workout. Uh, oh, okay. pool. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, every single day in Hawaii. If I go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's either Got board it. shorts or that. Straight Got up. It. Got it. Check. I jumped the proverbial gun on that one. Oh, good. Hey, we're all here training, learning. Also, because I only see you in the origin shorts. The shark fin short. That's the only shorts I see you in. Because well, unless we're on the mats, right? Yeah. Of justice. Yep. It's true. Also, at Origin Maine, still in Origin Maine, jeans, American-made denim mm. from the from the cotton grown to make the fabric, to make the denim, to make the jeans, all made in America. Yep. By the way. Um, also, boots on there. Delta okay. jeans are back in the game, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Delta 16. I'm wearing them right I, now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Those are and nice. I saw you You kind of like gave me a, you grabbed the material and kind of pulled it. Right. What was your assessment? Yeah. A pre, yeah. Well, my assessment was that they have some give, some legitimate give to them. Mm. And it. I just reflected on the fact that I don't have any. I'm really sorry, but the new Delta jeans are freaking, and they are a little bit new. So we had the original... Delta jeans mm-hmm. and then during COVID we re-engineered some stuff. We got some denim that we liked even more Redid the, the what is it the cut the cut hell yeah, yeah and they're just they're just freaking awesome Dude. now so um Were they always dark like that dark? You probably see I my OG pair of deltas that I just wore I wear them all the time And so they they're like jeans because they fade a little bit they mm-hmm. fade as time goes on right. So the pair that you're seeing right now are basically oh, brand, brand new. new gotcha. No, I, I like the dark denim Yeah, well, good. They're good. it will fade over time right on cool. Yeah, so or com. also boots I forgot that oh, yeah, yeah, don't boots. forget about boots. same deal. Yeah, yeah. works of art art for your feet. work for your feet Free feet. Made in America. All good. Also, Jocko's store is called Jocko's store. This is where you can get uh, discipline equals freedom. Shirts, hats, hoodies, lightweight and heavyweight, by the way. Um, some women's stuff on there. Some beanies. Some rash guards. Some soap. Some soap. Some warrior kid soap. Warrior kid soap. Jocko soap. Trooper soap. Yeah. Killer soap. By the way, all this stuff that we're talking about, it, if you want to support the podcast, you want to provide some level of Support. <laughs> All this stuff helps us out, you know. That way, that way we don't have to get sponsors. Yeah, yeah. There's that. Because <laughs> sure. look, this might be annoying, which I'm sure it is. Uh, like this whole no, thing, right? Not, no. But okay, maybe not for you, but for a lot of people, this might be super annoying. But the cool thing is, you don't have to listen to it. We didn't put it in the middle of, you know, cut off cowboy and just start. Hey, here's a word from, oh you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. We're not yeah. doing that. Yeah, that is true. So we appreciate it when you get, if you, you look, we need stuff. And I'm not a big, what's the, what's the minimum? Right, well, look, we all want to be a minimalist, <laughs> right? We want to be a minimalist, don't want to buy so, a bunch of stuff. But there's yeah. stuff that you do need. For yeah. instance, do you need a gi? Yes, you do. Yeah. Do you need a pair of jeans? True. Yes, you do. Yeah. Do you need a t-shirt? Yes, you do. Do you need food? Yes, you do. Do you need supplementation? Yes, you, like all these, we're just making stuff that you need. Yeah. So if you need it, you can get it from us. It helps out the podcast. It provides a little bit of that support. support. So, it's, yeah, it's like a win-win. Kind of helps everything. Yeah. You could go to, like, a local store and buy, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you could. A sure. pair of jeans that were made in China. Yeah. You could do that. You could. I mean, you, you are allowed to. Yeah. But it's not really, it's not really, 
let's face it, it's not really what you want to do. No, it's very <laughs> questionable for sure. Questionable behavior. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of this podcast, you can oh, subscribe wait, wait, wait. to it. No, no. Okay, speaking of subscribing, actually. Okay. So, Jocko Store. Back to Jocko to Store. The, okay. So, we have a t-shirt club. We'll call it a subscription scenario where you get a like a, how should I say, like a unique, unique, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a given. Anyway, you get a shirt every month that's kind of more like, it's different, but it's still in the game, on the path, etc. Anyway, go to jockostore.com and you can check them out, see if you like that one. But yeah, that's a cool little thing people been doing that we mm. offer. It's pretty cool. And then if you get a t-shirt from this thing, mm-hmm. you can't get it anywhere else. No, you, so you're you can't even deep. really get it on the store, really. If they're only for, like, you'll see, like, when you see kind of the ex- examples of someone, you'll be like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Right. They're fun, and they're, you know. So, yeah, we have, we, we, there's always all kinds of cool ideas that come in for shirts, for this, mm. for that. But we can't just execute them all. No, the, well, they're all varying levels. scale. Yeah, so, you know, We're doing a lot on, of those. on an exclusive scale. Kind of, yeah. No, what do you mean, kind of? I don't know. I don't okay. know what you meant by scale. That's why. On an exclusive scale, meaning we're not doing it on a mass scale. Hey, oh, yeah. everyone that wants one of these, no, it's on a more exclusive scale. Like, oh, we don't have to make whatever, however many, whatever the yeah. number of t-shirts is. Yes. Because we don't know what someone's going to order. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct. If they're yeah. in the game, then we know it and you get a shirt. That yeah. looks cool. That looks that cool. That has more fun. layers. La- there are many layers all infused in that. Yeah. situation Check. nonetheless yes jockostore.com also like jocko indicated you can subscribe to this podcast on wherever you subscribe yeah, wherever. to podcasts there you go boom and don't forget about the unraveling podcast that I, that I, I i also record and don't forget about the grounded podcast which we are supposed to record but we haven't recorded a lot of don't forget about the warrior kid podcast which hopefully during thanksgiving mm-hmm. when some people don't have to work I'll be able to slip in there and record some Warrior Kid podcast. So we're going to work on that one. Don't forget about we have a YouTube channel, a YouTube channel. And this is where the creative mind of Echo Charles manifests itself via explosions, (laughs) tanks, airplanes. And if you want to watch a video that's 30 seconds long that has a lot of stuff blowing up, go there. If you also want to watch a video that's four hours long with nothing blowing up, also go there. Yeah, boom. Yes, that is true. YouTube channel. All good. Official, by the way. Also, Psychological Warfare, if you don't know what that is. It's an album, audio album with tracks of Jocko telling you, explaining to you how to get past your moments of weakness in the event of them arising, which... They do from time to time, mm-hmm. let's face it. But yeah, have Jocko there to just tell you, hey, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. See this thing you're thinking about doing that you won't want to have done? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Don't do that thing. The Jocko version of that. It's actually really helpful, my opinion. Uh, we also have a, a visual version of that. Flipsidecanvas.com, Dakota Meyer making all kinds of cool stuff. There's a bunch of books. What books did we cover today? Well, we're talking about SOG. So if you're going to jump into SOG, you can get Across the Fence, On the Ground, and SOG Chronicles by John Stryker Meyer. And then you can also get Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot by Lynn Black. You can get About Face by David Hackworth. There's a new version out, a re-release. 
that I wrote the forward to. There's leadership strategy and tactics field manual. There's the code, the protocols, and the evaluations. There's discipline freedom field manual. There's a brand new version of that out. That's that's a good go-to for that Christmas scenario. Yes, it is. The holiday scenario. Check that one out. Way the Warrior Kid 4 field manual is also, I think it's live right now. Yeah, it's live. Way the Warrior Kid 4 field manual. Here, here's the thing on all these. From what I understand, Intel, there's going to be a shortage of aircraft, trucks, and laborers, drivers, pilots during Christmas because everything is going to be shipped. So if you want to get any of this stuff, even though I know you, we're all trying to be minimalist, but kids need a freaking book to read. So get them Way of the Warrior Kid 4, Field Man, Way of the Warrior Kid 1, 2, and 3, Mikey and the Dragons, and then Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership. I have a leadership consultancy called Echelon Front where we solve problems through leadership. You can go to echelonfront.com for that. We have EF Online, which is where we do leadership training, online, interactive, so you can go check that out, efonline.com. We got the muster in Dallas, Texas. You can come check that out in extremeownership.com. We have EF Overwatch, which is executive leadership for your company that understands the principles that we talk about. If you want to help service members, active and retired, their families, Gold Star families, if you want to help out veterans, and if you want to help out American service men and women and check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She has a charity organization. You can go and donate or get involved at americasmightywarriors.org. And if you like to torment yourself, well, you can do so with more of my protracted pronouncements or maybe some more of Echo's hyped up hypotheses. You can find us on the interweb, on Twitter, on Instagram, and just so Echo knows, because he only refers to Instagram as the Gram, and also on Facebook, Echo is at Echo Charles, and I'm at Jocko Willink. And it should, more importantly, be known that John Stryker Meyer is on Instagram at J Stryker Meyer. And once again, thanks to Tilt and Cowboy for their incredibly heroic. We need a new word beyond heroic for their service to America and freedom. We will not forget the sacrifice or the legacy of these warriors. And thanks to all the warriors all over the world, in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and also to those foreign nationals that we fight alongside. Thank you for defending freedom. And the same to police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, and all first responders. Thanks for keeping us safe here at home. And to everyone else out there, I've got one thing to say. Chuhoy Duma! Until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.